connecting to the real nerds is so easy. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. We have a Twitter account, at Real Nerds. We also have Instagram. You can call us, 720-6Nerds5. You want to email us? You can do that, too, realnerds at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Jimmy Palmiotti, and you're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Now pay attention and stop playing with your dick. Podcast unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2017. I am a host, James Hart. Oh, I said my last name. Now they can find me. Oh man, You're screwed. Uh, Ryan's not here this week. He is. Uh, Ryan's not here. Ryan's <laughs> not here. <laughs> Party. He's on be the best show ever. Now he's on an away mission to Disneyland, so he'll be back next next week. Yeah, I think sure. so. He didn't say he was missing two weeks. He doesn't have the income to support a week at Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> Does yeah. he? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't. Well, never mind. <laughs> uh, but I am, of course, not alone. Uh, I'm here with with some of the normal posse. Brad, that's me, and Zach. Yo, yo. Uh, and we are joined this week with a guest, uh, Aaron. Say hi to everybody. What's up, nerd nerds? <laughs> How's it going? Cut. Let's do it again. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Not good up. enough. Not good enough. Um, Aaron is a, a local filmmaker and documentarian who is uh, here to talk about his awesome new ska movie he's been making. Um, what's it called? And, uh, and and tell us a little bit about how this got started. Uh, well, I'm kind of hypocritical for calling you guys nerds because I'm making a ska documentary. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, it is called Of Mikes and Men, The Summer of Ska. Cool. And it uh, focuses on the third wave of ska music um, and kind of its rise in pop culture and popularity in the 90s obviously we focus on the genesis of the music where it came from um it, the two-tone movement which was europe in the 70s um, and then the third wave which technically started in the u.s in the early 80s and went through i mean you could say up to current day but it it started in the 80s got popular in the 90s fell off probably early 2000s and yeah. then it's just kind of like bands are still touring and playing music but it's definitely not popular in the right. same way anymore so we kind of cover most of that but the main focus is like when it was popular in the 90s yeah how'd you get into ska were you ever in a band or anything i was not in a ska band but i played tenor sax in band in high school and middle school and so that got me into the music because i was playing an instrument that was actually being used in rock bands and stuff so it wasn't um You'd play in band and you'd think, like, if you're not going to play in an orchestra or something somewhere, you don't have a future in it. So it was kind of cool to see, like, oh, we could still be in, like, a rock and roll band playing a saxophone. Um, so being in that, I guess, culture in high school and middle school and my friends being in band as well, like, they would get into ska and then I'd listen to it. And really what started it was my brother bringing home a stack of ska records and being like, you got to check this out. And next thing I know, you know, <laughs> it's like fun rock music, but it's got horns in it. Right. That's funny. <laughs> I, I've always been curious w with documentaries where, like where, you know that you need to start filming stuff and that you're going to make a documentary out of something. In this case, were you all, did you already have access to some of these people to interview them? And you thought, well, I should go ahead and do this. Or were you interested in the subject and thought, I don't know how I'm going to reach these people, but I'm just going to start knocking down doors. And how much blackmail did you use? Yeah. Right. <laughs> how much money did it cost you to get phone numbers? <laughs> so I, uh, funnily enough, I was at a ska show 
um, we were at a Real Big Fish concert and cool. Suburban Legends were opening for him. I'd never heard them play before. Mm. And while we were listening to him, I thought, man, this is a band I've, I've, I'm familiar with, but I've never heard their music. I've just heard their name floating around. And I'm having fun. I'm dancing. I'm having a great time. And I started wondering, like, why isn't this still more popular? Like, it's such a fun genre of music that, you know, not even having any familiarity with it, you can have a good time. And I, so I went home that night and I looked, I was like, has anybody made a film on third wave ska? And no one had done it yet. So for me, it was like grabbing something that hadn't been done and kind of being the first person to break ground on it. Yeah. Um, as far as getting in touch with the bands, I'd fortunately made a couple of films prior to this that we'd won a few awards and had been distributed on PBS and that. So I had a little bit of weight behind me to approach these artists and say, Hey, this is me. Here's what I want to do. Yeah, I'm um, not just a guy in a closet that wants to talk about your music. Like exactly, I'm not just some crazy fan that wants to get you one on one. You know, like I, <laughs> right. there's actually something we're we're trying to do here. And um, I had originally thought I would write a few bands, I'd get a couple of no's, and I'd move on with my life and do something else. Yeah. And then people actually started saying yes. So I had this moment where I was like, holy shit, I actually have to make this now. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> very cool fuck i have commitments right. <laughs> did, did you go into this sort of knowing what the structure of the documentary was or is that something that you are still looking at now that you've got a whole bunch of tape and you're and you're editing the film a little bit of both i had a direction going in but i wasn't it never every project i've worked on never totally ends up exactly how you thought it would going into it so sure. I've i've let it be organic and let it evolve as we've talked to people um and a lot of that is having a base structure but not knowing how that's going to play out until we talk to people and get the opinions from the people who are actually involved in the scene and then yeah. figuring out how that works into the initial structure of the story that I had kind of conceptualized in my mind. So uh, that has changed as we've moved forward and as we've gotten more interviews and that, but um, it's, uh, it's very interesting. I, I think it'll be, I hope it's not boring. <laughs> I think yeah. it's, I think it's a very interesting um, scene and, and the evolution of it is, is quite fascinating, but I don't know that everyone will. Right. Hopefully they do though. <laughs> That's very cool. Uh, I have, I've, I'm, you know, just looking for tips on interviewing. Um, when you go into these interviews with these people, do you have a whole list of questions where, you know, like, this is what I'm going to talk to them about, or does it just sort of flow? Um, I do have a list of questions as a reference yeah. so that if I, uh, need to, what I try to do in an interview is get it, make it a conversation. So I'll start with a few questions and then I'll respond to things they say in yeah. my initial question so that it, it goes back and forth and it flows a little more naturally. Uh, but I have a list of questions in case that derails or we hit a, a an end to a conversation where they don't give me anything that I can ask a new question on. I can reference those. And I've had some interviews where you ask a question and it's just a very short, concise answer and there's nothing to go off of. So you need something to go back to. Did you enjoy playing ska music? Yes. Right. Those kinds of responses. And it, it gets most, uh, with this film, surprisingly, uh, I ran into a lot less of that. Everyone was a lot more talkative when you'd yeah. ask them about those things, which is the nice thing when you get passionate people yeah. talking about the thing they're passionate about, they're going to have a lot to say generally. So yeah, it helps. Did your, were your other documentaries, what were they about? Were they about music? No. Um, so I've done, uh, two other features. Both of them were historical biopics basically. Oh, cool. Um, and then, my short films have been there. I did a war documentary and I did a documentary about a, the first dog to receive four prosthetic limbs. Oh, wow. So uh, those were, and then we did a short piece on the Colorado Wolf and Wildlife Center. So it's been kind of all over the map. Yeah. Um, but I've always loved music. Uh, that's been kind of my my main obsession in my life. Like for you guys, it's movies. Right. For me, it's music. Like yeah. if I was going to do anything like this for 
you know, in this kind of format, it would probably yeah. be talking about music. So to, it just seemed like the, the natural progression for me to do a music documentary. Yeah. And now that I had some, again, some credentials to back me to be able to get these people involved in something like this, it seemed like the right time to do it too. So, yeah, we've had a lot of people on the show who do local film, but it's usually all fiction or narrative. Um, I'm very curious to see, like for people out there who are interested in making their own documentaries, what what does distribution actually look like? Because I, I have no idea. Like if I, if you if I made a documentary, I have no idea what I would do with it. I I mean for us the um, what we've done in the past is just the festival circuit. Yeah, um, submitting to festivals. That's actually how we got picked up by PBS. We played at oh, South okay. Dakota Film Festival and won uh, best feature documentary there. And oh. then someone from the local PBS affiliate in South Dakota contacted us and then requested the film and then presented it to Netto, which is one of their distributors and they picked it up and distributed it to all stations. Oh, that's gotta be exciting. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a huge break for us with that. Um, so it really is, I think with documentary, the main thing is hitting the festival circuit and hoping you get picked up by a distributor there. Um, which I, I don't know that that's any different from the narrative outlet either. Yeah. Um, but we haven't had any like, real commercial success through mm -hmm. that PBS distributing sure. our film wasn't, we didn't get paid for any of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they didn't like have, have, uh, a, uh, uh, call a thon or whatever they call it where they're like, Hey, can we, we really want to send money to these documentary filmmakers. If you all call in, we'll give you a, a, a bag for $50 donation. You can get that mad Mr. Rogers money. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they send you his shoes. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I so that. The, I mean, it, the numbers were nice though, because like we yeah. we got our the first month of distribu distribution uh, back, and we we covered um, I don't know how many markets, but we played twenty eight states and uh, to an audience of like sixteen million or something like that. So cool. it was a pretty good run. And, and again, those kind of numbers help when you are approaching someone to say, "Hey, we'd like to make a movie with you. Here's what our past works accomplished." Yeah, so. absolutely. Did you did you raise any money when you were starting this new one? Because uh, I, I have to imagine that like the the right well. First, I'm I'm assuming that there's going to be a bunch of music in this one, and I'm assuming that the music is expensive. Yes, uh, it is expensive, and actually, we the the film so far has been self funded by me. Okay. Um, so, and another kind of motivation to do the film was that a lot of these bands are still touring, and Denver is a big stop for bands sure. when they tour. So we could interview a lot of these musicians when they were coming through town. So instead of having to travel all over the country to talk to these people, we just get them when they come to us. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and so most, I, well, I'd say half of the interviews we shot were here in Colorado when the bands would, would come through town. And, uh, so yeah. with that, I was able to limit travel limit, keep the budget in a more, uh, reasonable amount. But right now we're running a Kickstarter to fund licensing music and television appearances and those kinds of things for the film very because cool. it is very expensive. What's uh, the what's the Kickstarter called? Real quick, just before uh, it's so it's the same as the movie title of Mike's and Men: The Summer of Ska. Um, you can look that up on Kickstarter. You can also look up my name on Kickstarter and find it that way. Okay. And um, yeah, we're our budget. It's kind of a high dollar amount. We're looking for ten thousand. Sure. And uh, part of that is Kickstarter keeps about 10%, uh, yeah. 5% for operating costs, 5% for processing credit cards and what have you. Yeah. And then for fulfillment on my end, uh, when people make donations, you know, we're giving them Blu-ray copies and, and different things like right. that. So that's about a 10% overhead as well. And then I have to pay taxes on the Kickstarter, like individual <laughs> income. So, <laughs> so by the time you, you get it, you're, you're getting like half of it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, it definitely gets whittled down to a significantly less than it looks like it is when you when you uh, launch it right. and a lot of people that I've worked with have not 
considered those expenses when running a Kickstarter and they end up right. short on their budget. Yeah. So that's something that I tried to budget for and that's why it's a little bit higher than I would have liked it to be. But I sure. also want to make sure we have enough money to do what we want to do. Oh, so. of course. Yeah. Does does having all of the artists actually come through and, and like sign off on the movie help you get those the rights or I mean I, I imagine that it's not as easy as like, hey, we talked to, you know, somebody from Real Big Fish, so they said we can use their music for so it's free now. Uh, it doesn't probably work that way. No, well, as much as I'd like it to. Exactly. Well, and music rights get complicated because there's there's two levels of music rights. There's recording rights, which are usually owned by the record label, and then there's rights to the music and lyrics, the performance rights, essentially, which are owned by the band. So, you have to get permission from both to use the song for yeah. the movie. And bands will usually just say, yeah, you can use it. We don't care. Yeah. It's the record labels that'll say you can use it, but you have to give us money for it. Right. Um, <laughs> And for the more popular songs, which we want to include some of the hits from the 90s, just because people will remember those and get excited about it and go, oh, I yeah. didn't realize that was a ska song kind of a thing. Uh, those can run anywhere. I'd say low end is like $500 for 30 seconds of a song. Um, a lot of this, the smaller bands or even the bigger bands, their early records weren't on a major label. They've mm. actually been really cool and said, you can just use that song. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be how we kind of pad it is with some of the yeah. earlier works and not as popular musicians where we can get them music, uh, get them paid on the back end when we get if we get distribution. Sure. And then the other stuff we need on the front end, we can, you know, use for the more popular songs. We can use budget for that. Yeah. So and that'll be the 500 is just for festival distribution rights. Yeah. If we wanted to sell DVDs or sell to Netflix or something, we'd have to pay more for full distribution rights. Oh, OK. And that would be carried on or that cost would carry over to the distributor if right, that were yeah. to happen. When you, get, when you get picked up for distribution, you would just build that into the, the cost. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. So who all did you get into the movie? Who did you get to talk to? So we've got, um, and I'll name bands because not everyone knows the names of the people in the band. Sure. sure, sure. Um, but we've got uh, real big. They, fin- they haven't seen your documentary yet. So they are, they aren't informed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we've got real big fish, sublime, the mighty, mighty boss tones, save Ferris, Hepcat, mustard plug, let's go bowling, Skank and Pickle, uh, the the Slackers, um, Less Than Jake, Five Iron Frenzy, Five Iron Frenzy, um, Mighty Mighty Boss Jones. Did I say that yet? Yes, you did. Okay, yeah. um, I think that's everyone. That's a healthy list. That's a yeah, lot of people. It's like, we got a pretty good list going. So. Yeah, uh, we also have a few. Uh, Tazy Phillips. He ran the Scott Parade radio show oh, on cool. K Rock in the early nineties. Huh. Uh, he was the first DJ to put sublime and safe or not safe air sublime and no doubt on the radio cool um and um, i was gonna say like the only person that i i can think of that you don't have on there is no doubt and i'm like well they were only scott for like a minute and a half so it's you'll you're okay right yeah well and, and getting any of them in, in front of a camera <laughs> just right. doesn't happen yeah. so exactly um and then we also have heather augustine who is an author she's probably the the premier historian on ska music she's written a number of books on jamaican ska and um, her one of her books did go all the way up to third wave, so we're going to talk to her about the history of the music and a little bit about third wave and what how that was in, or how what the influences from the original Jamaican sound were in the third wave of of the the scene. So very cool. Um, so who was the hardest to get, and who was the most like exciting for you to get to talk to? Oh gosh, um, that is a really tough question. Most of them That's were right. actually pretty easy. <laughs> so hardest to get was. I would say less than Jake. Okay. Um, we had, we surprisingly, they were like the third band to say yes to be in the film. Sure. But the first time we were supposed to interview them, uh, they 
<coughs> we had kind of set up tentatively to talk to him, or I shouldn't say tentatively. We knew the day and we were just working on a time and then they never wrote me back day of. <laughs> so we were sitting around in a studio all day waiting for them to show up Aww. and nothing. Um, and then they were coming back through town later. So I said, okay, let's try it again. See if we can get them. So that yeah. second time they actually, we had like set up a location and a time and everything days before and they showed yeah. up and it wasn't a problem. So <laughs> I say, I say they, it was their uh, drummer Vinny that we ended up speaking with. Oh, cool. So, um, I don't know if that's a, uh, um, you know, they were in town for Riot Fest. We just legal legalized marijuana in the state, so <laughs> I I can kind of understand if maybe we were forgotten about. But <laughs> sure, <laughs> um, totally fair. So that was probably the hardest one to na- nail down. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I was most excited about, I have to say, Safe Ferris, mm-hmm. because we wrote um, Monique's manager, and we didn't hear anything for like a month and a half. And I just figured we were never going to hear from them. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know where they wrote me and they're like, Hey, is it too late to do this? Monique's really excited about it. And I was like, Oh no, no, it's not too late at all. <laughs> we'll, we can still do this. <laughs> um, cool. so that one was, a uh, uh, exciting for me to have just because it was one I didn't think we were going to get. Yeah. Um, but ones that I thought, like I thought getting anyone from sublime would be very difficult and it was surprisingly easy to yeah. get, uh, Eric on board. We, I called, uh, or I think I emailed, his manager and they wrote me back and scheduled a conference call. And so I had to get on a conference call with like five different people. I don't even know who all they were, like what their connection to the band was. I assume it was record label reps and things. Mm -hmm. So I spoke with them for about a half an hour one day. And then, uh, they wrote me a couple days later and they're like, yeah, we're go for this whenever, you know, next time they're in town, we'll set it up. So, very cool. um, that was again, one that I just thought so much of this, I just figured, we people were not going to do it and they just kept saying yes so <laughs> it was it was a good thing don't get me wrong but yeah. it was very surprising that's really cool that sounds really fantastic um so where where can people find you how can they support the film one more time uh so we have uh, a website it's staticageproductions.com and that's my company website on there there's a page for of mics and men and on that page there's a link to our kickstarter also on the news section of our website there's a link to the kickstarter it it has links to our facebook page so the website's kind of the hub for everything uh, yeah. to find that it's also got our past films and things on there that you can check out so very cool man i i, I think it's really exciting i'm really glad you could come on the show so thank you cool yes thanks for having me Cool. Um, so if you've never listened to the Realness podcast before, uh, we're not just a Scott documentary podcast. Uh, every week we go see a movie, and as Ryan says, we podcast our experience to the world. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I can make fun of that because he's not going to listen to this episode anyway. Yeah. Um, so, and if he does, he's going to hate it anyway. Yeah. Uh, this week, I think we're, right. are we doing are we originally we were just doing the Lego uh, Batman movie, but I think we all went and saw John Wick two as well. Yes, yes, we, uh, we did. Maybe maybe Aaron didn't. But I didn't see John Wick two, but I did see Lego Batman. So. That's okay. I, when when we talk about John Wick two, uh, you'll you'll be fine. We're not going to like spoil it. Um, <laughs> it's not real spoilers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, Spoiler, he kills everyone. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. So uh, if you will stay tuned to the end, we'll do two different reviews, one for John Wick and one for the Lego Batman movie. Uh, We will talk about whether you should see it and then play the trailer. And then after that, we will do our best to spoil two movies that are really, really hard to spoil. Um, But uh, before then, we're going to go through some, some movie news and what we've been watching this week and... Uh, some stuff that's going on around town and DVDs and Blu-rays and, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, anyway, how you guys doing? Brad, how was your week? Uh, busy. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Um, all kinds of things going on? Yeah, sorry, I was just about to check. I don't think Henry sent us a 
a clip for this week. Oh, okay. Well, if so, there is one, it'll be here. I heard he snuck into town for like a for the weekend. What? Oh, to really? go to a, to go to a uh, Anderson Cooper Andy Cohen event um, at the uh, DCPA. That was here because he because he texted me as Aaron and I were going to go see the Lego Batman movie at nine. He's like, "Do you want to go see I'm Not Your Negro at nine fifty five? I'm like, uh, I already made a commitment, but we could go to the nine o'clock Batman. You could join us. And he got back to me. He's like, yeah, I can't. Huh. <laughs> so that was my little journey with that. That was my potential journey with Henry. That well, didn't really happen because yeah. as we know, I suck. Anyway. <laughs> what a, what a, what a jerk. He, he, he should have like come by. It would have been fun. Yeah, it's like he's avoiding us. <laughs> uh, but he did write, I think two articles this week. He did write one. Well, he had a secret one drop last week, didn't he? On um, well, he did the Dark Knight. Was the, that last week? Yeah, but but you guys talked about Amelie last week, right? So oh, I guess we, right. if we wanted to, we could. Well, I think I Dark Knight was like the day after we did that. Yeah, but I I don't know. I can't figure out what the he did this week. So well, if we did, we already got it in the show. So yeah, just, good job, Henry. Yeah, <laughs> keep <laughs> uh, keep following his articles because they're really cool. Just read Art House Asshole on the website realnerspodcast dot com. Yeah, and as for me, um, <laughs> going back to your original question, um, I scored Deep Space Nine, the complete series, for a hundred bucks. So oh, cool! I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting that so yeah. I can watch the special features. Did you get it shipped in from China, like I was talking about last week? Uh, I think it's from Florida, but okay. it was a stock photo so on the eBay website. <laughs> it, so. may, it may have come over on a small boat from Cuba, then. Yes. Um, so we'll see. Okay. Um, Very cool. That'll be exciting. Yeah. And my, I, and my my Star Trek uniform's coming together. So oh, that's so cool, man! Did you buy it like in pieces? Yes. Because anybody, I don't know. If, did we talk about this on the show? No, we didn't. You're you you got a a Star Trek uniform for Starfest this week. This yeah, year. Starfest, April twenty yeah. first through the twenty third. And you got a hotel room so you can like party. Yeah. Party with Romulan ale and right. get crunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I want my ringtone to be Brad Hague saying "Get Crunk." He calls you get up crunk? at two in the morning. I only use it for medicinal purposes. <laughs> uh, no, the 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 jacket is like on Amazon. Uh, I had like twenty dollars in credit, yeah. so uh, that made it cheaper. I had to buy the pants at Kmart. Oh, so they're not official. Star Trek yeah. uh, pants from Although somebody. They're a little big, so I might have to go get something else. But sure, but they were like eight bucks because cool. Kmart was closing down. That's hard to beat. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, I got the badge. The com badge is like QM. They do like official yeah uh, re- replicas of them. Yeah, um, and then I'm working on the pips, which Anavos does them magnetic versions for like seventy bucks. Yeah. So I was like, I'll just get some tiny magnets and spray paint them. <laughs> Where so. did uh, which which version of this uh, suit are you going with? Oh, uh, first contact. Oh yeah, hell yeah, yeah dog. Commander uh-huh. version. Color. Nicely done, sir. Yeah, that'll be good. Very cool. So Zach, how have you been? Uh, not too bad. Um, trying to schedule out the rest of the Clint Eastwood series so I can actually get it done. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's you're gonna finish it. Yeah, I am gonna finish it. I, cool. I've taken a long enough break from Clint. It's time to finish this sucker once and for all. <laughs> get out of my life so I can move on to the next actor yeah, so I want to so, worship at the feet of. <laughs> so that you can never watch another Clint Eastwood movie. Um, That's not cool. true. Uh, well, this is what's going on around town. Rage going to rage. Oh, there you go, man! Somebody had to fill in for Ryan doing a bad song this week. <laughs> I have no idea. Do we shoot? This is the the one thing that he actually does. 
Uh, what's going on around town? Um, not much. Just uh, <laughs> just uh, the midnight this week is Fight Club. Um, not sure what the theme is there, but that's a perennial favorite at the Esquire at midnight. So yeah, uh, check that out. And cool. hello, hi, I'm Kevin Smith. Hi, I'm Leonard Maltin. Hi, I'm Mark Hamill. Hi, I'm Elijah Wood. This is Seth Rogen. I'm Christopher Mizwas. I'm Martin Starr. Welcome to the Alamo Draft If you uh, if you're getting this early enough, which you should be, uh, Punch Drunk Love is on Monday the thirteenth. Um, which is awesome. I haven't seen that movie in a while. I should check that out again. At the Alamo? Yeah. Well, yes, at the Alamo would be best. Uh, Beer Dinner Shaun of the Dead is on Tuesday the 14th, um, which I'm sure is already sold out. Perfect Valentine's Day movie, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jamie White's Ladies' Night Out with Alice. I have no idea what that is, but that's going to be on Thursday the 16th. Uh, they're also doing uh, Disney's Newsies, the Broadway musical. Um, it's interesting that the poster there always says Disney's Newsies. I thought, like, isn't Newsies just a Disney movie? Wouldn't that be like calling it Disney's Pinocchio? But it's I their mean, like it it's their branding for Broadway. Oh, oh, it's because it's the Broadway show. Okay, yeah. all right, that makes sense. Um, Mile High movie roast Alan Quartermain isn't isn't that one of those garbage adventure films that I watched a couple years ago yeah, when I, I was going through those? I remember, this, I remember this three years yeah. ago when I started coming on the show. You were like reviewing the hell out of those things. <laughs> yeah, well, the hell out of them is rough because there's like five of them that exist in the whole world, right? There's like there's Alan Quartermain, there's the Solomon's Tomb movie, uh, there's uh, High Road of China or whatever that one was that's not even really an adventure film. Right. I just thought it was because the cover was cool. Uh, and then there's Indiana Jones. Like... That most of them are garbage, but uh, I don't remember Alan Quartermain being very good. But maybe check it out. I don't know. Well, they're uh, gonna roast it, so right. Uh, and then Romeo is Bleeding, which is a movie I had honestly never heard of, but the trailer looks really cool. Um, Zach, have you ever seen Romeo is Bleeding? No, I have not. Yeah, it looks cool. It looks like a. It's like a, you know, one of those modern Romeo and Juliet movies. Only it's got uh, uh, man Gary Oldman, and that woman who played the mother in Alias. Oh. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's what's going on at the Alamo this week. Cool. Cool, cool. Brad, what do you want to do next? Uh, what are you been up to this week? No one asked you. Oh. Oh, that's so nice. See, nobody ever does this. Nobody pats each other on the back and has a nice podcast and talks about how everybody's doing. Relax. Ryan just like runs through the show. I was just doing a professional courtesy. Yeah, just kick people <laughs> in the balls and moves on. Man. Uh, anyway. John Wick 2 reference. I was in... Yeah, was gonna, uh... <laughs> I was in uh, L.A. most of the week uh, for work. Wow. Yeah. Fancy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it means that I really... When we get to what we've been watching, I didn't watch much because I wasn't really around. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was fine. Um, I still have vertigo. And it's been worse the last two days. So I'm going to go back to the doctor and they're going to... How's gonna, that feel on a plane? Um, actually, the plane doesn't really bother me, which is weird. Because I flew out of Santa Monica, too. Uh, or uh, not Santa Monica. Um, uh, Santa Ana. And Santa Ana is an airport that... They're right near a residential area, so when it takes off, it, like, goes at a 45-degree angle, and then they cut the engines, and then they, like, bank hard mm-hmm. while there's no engines on, and they get out over the ocean, and then they, you know, fire the engines back up and climb again. And so it's actually a really rough takeoff, and it didn't bother me at all. Hmm. Um, Small-ass yeah. airport. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the, the time that it bothers me is when I'm, like, sitting in a movie theater, and I lean my head back on the headrest, and then, like, all of a sudden, my vertigo triggers. It's stupid. <laughs> it's a really dumb thing to have go on, like... And it just makes you feel old and broken, and I wish my brain worked properly again. 
um it's it's terrible but so, so while you're in la i know you're working but did you get to enjoy any of the, like the hollywood no stuff i didn't do no trips no, to Brownman's. i literally like uh i took photos out the side of like rental cars of like hey look a palm tree and it was super rainy and gross i've never seen like it was it was real nasty there this week did you pretend um, you were in drive shut up it doesn't rain in california <laughs> oh man that would have been cool be like yeah oh I, like people would talk to me and be like i can't i can't talk to you i'm the driver this week <laughs> that's what we did we yeah. popped on the drive soundtrack and oh, around man. LA pretending we were yeah driving. yeah <laughs> going to all the hot spots we went to freaking yeah. um, uh, the new Bev and tried to put a yeah. JCVD DV sticker on the outside of it <laughs> uh, oh there's a girl with Chinese shh I'm driving <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, yeah so that's how I'm doing all right thank you yeah uh, what do you want to do next DVDs sure cool DVD releases and Blu-rays. Billy Lynn's um, something something moving on. Uh, One million years BC <laughs> is getting a Blu-ray release this year this week, which is a, a pretty cool uh, old schlocky sci-fi horror movie with a really tall woman in a very short skirt named Raquel um, Welch. Yeah, and uh, and the cover is cool, and it looks like it might be a book edition. Um, so that's pretty neat. Uh, <laughs> You're that a book edition? <laughs> I don't know. It, you, a lot of times when they when it is a book edition, it has that little logo on it. I guess okay. I, could, I could not be lazy and click on it and tell you whether it is or not. That's interesting. Uh, it still doesn't tell me. <laughs> I don't know if it deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, look at the cover. That cover deserves a book edition. I don't know what you're talking about. The cover does. Yeah. Um, the Edge of Seventeen, which is that Haley Seinfeld movie that was actually nominated for a Golden Globe, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. uh, which made me go like, "Oh, maybe that's actually worth seeing." I think uh, Henry saw it, and he said it was good. Yeah, um, and uh, from from all accounts, it's uh, a movie to watch. So, yeah, um, I feel like we talked about this last week. Nah, but I'm on the right one. Is uh, Star Trek Enterprise is getting a Blu-ray release? The entire series. I feel, didn't we talk about that last week? I mean, it's sitting in Best Buy right now, so I don't know why it's being okay. released right now. Yeah, <laughs> well, way to go, Digital Bits. Um, uh, King Cobra. It came from outer space. Is getting a Blu-ray release, uh, which is a, another old schlocky sci-fi movie, which is, I think, presented in 3D and 2D. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> It includes the 3D version. I'm sure it's the, like... Well, I wonder if it's a... All right, hold on a second. James is currently reading the back of the cover art. And the award for Looking best for podcasting well, goes it's not, to... It's not, t- <laughs> it's not telling me whether or not it's, like, going to come... Like, if it's if it's modern 3D or if it is... Uh, the schlocky... Yeah, the, the red-green, and it comes with a couple... I would I would think that they would just put it in the in modern 3D and sell it to anybody who has a 3D TV. They did that with uh, Dial M for Murder. Oh, really? Um, yeah, that's cool. Um, Bleed for this, which is a Miles Teller movie where he plays a boxer um, that I haven't really heard anything about. So maybe um, We Are the Flesh, which is a horror movie from Arrow that's out this week. That I don't know. I have no idea how to describe this cover. It's like I've seen the trailer. Oh yeah, it's messed up. Oh, weird. It looks like a sexy version of the poster for, for Beauty and the Beast. Uh, you know that one where they're dancing, but it's just like two sort of weird, blotchy, orange colors? Yeah. Uh, it looks like that, only like maybe people banging or something. What yeah. is that? Yeah, that, they're, they're banging. Okay, great. Um, so you can check that out. There's a Blu-ray release of October Sky, which I think has been on Blu-ray before, but I don't care. That movie is great, so you should go check that out. <laughs> um, 
And that might be what? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the third season of Nash Bridges is going to be on Blu-ray this week. Woo-hoo! You know, check out Angel the Hobo and see whether or not he can help you solve a crime. I loved that show. <laughs> Holy crap. Man. All right, I'm excited. Show's over. I didn't even over. know the first oh. two seasons were on. <laughs> wow, this stuff is buried. This stuff is buried pretty deep. Uh, Purge Anarchy is getting its Blu-ray release this week. That's this year's, right? Or is that a re-release of the previous one? I think it's a re-release they of all the previous run... one. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. okay. They all run together in my head. I think head. it was like election season or something. Election year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, election that's year. right. That's it. Yeah. yeah, that was not at all topical. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. I think that looks like... Oh, shit, no. I'm totally missing the best one. The Ghost and Mr. Chicken is getting a Blu-ray release this week. Really? That's awesome. <laughs> if you've never seen The Ghost and Mr. Chicken, go check that movie out. That is a movie where Don Knotts plays a guy who's easily afraid of things, and he gets sent into a house that they say is uh, um, haunted, and he has to like spend a night there or whatever, and maybe it's haunted, maybe it's not. It's basically like a Scooby-Doo movie, but way better because it's Don Knotts. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. Uh, the ghost, I, I've seen The Ghost of Mr. Chicken a number of times uh, when I was a kid. Rented that shit more than once. I remember watching it back-to-back with uh, Incredible Mr. Limpet. Yes. Right. So I was on a Don Knotts kick for a while, and like you would watch that and then a bunch of episodes of Andy Griffith. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I've seen The Ghost of Mr. Chicken as many times as I have seen Me- Meet the Deedles, uh, which is a deep <laughs> cut for anybody who grew up on shitty Disney films. Um Funny story about that. My roommate in California's dad was in Meet the Deedles. No shit. Yep. <laughs> which of the six? Which of the six characters who shows up in that movie was he? So he is. If you saw Beverly Hills Cop, and uh, you so remember, so for the record, I owned Meet the Deedles. Okay. On VHS. So Taggart from Beverly Hills Cop. Okay. John Ashton. That's his dad, and he was in Meet the Deedles, but I don't know who he played in it because I never saw the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I bet my parents still have that VHS copy. Yeah. Um, that but movie it, is bad. If you've seen Beverly Hills Cop, though, he's he's the the bigger of the two cops in Beverly Hills that Eddie Murphy's character is working with. Oh, okay. So it's not Judge Reinhold. Right, not Judge Reinhold, the other one. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, Judge cool. used to go over to their house for Thanksgiving every year, though. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, I... Yeah, Meet the Deedles is a movie that I believe the the climax of that film is a bunch of like prairie dogs farting and blowing up the bad guy. Um, the the villain's whole plot revolves around using prairie dogs to build to dig into Old Faithful so that he can steal Old Faithful and like make it shoot up on private land so that he can get all the like tourist money. That's the plot of that movie, and it has to be stopped by two surfer bros. That's amazing. What the fuck? That no, that's what so La La good. Land was missing, was farting gophers. Yes. <laughs> did, it, did it have the surfer bros, at least? <laughs> well, no. you can see them in the background. Okay, <laughs> if it loses the Oscar, that's why. Yeah. yeah. It, it, uh, for the record, part of why I loved it was it also had Eric Von Detten, uh, the, the main actor from Brink, the inline skating Disney movie, uh, which I is great. Brink. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, uh, I'm derailing this podcast for, like, shitty mid-90s Disney Channel original Stop reminiscing. I can't help it. I think that's... Isn't that what we do here? Uh, Anyway, so that is Blu-rays this week. Uh, What do you want to do? You want to do... There's some news going on. Okay. Yeah. Sure. We'll jump into news. It's real news. Zach, I was was sad that you weren't here last week. I know, because I heard the bad news, but... (laughs) 
It's okay because it turned into better news. It actually did. Like, isn't it amazing how Batfleck kind of just gives and then takes away and then gives back? <laughs> I don't know that I want to give him that much credit. But <laughs> <laughs> he is our Lord and Savior. <laughs> I, uh, so I will say this: the, the the news this week is is sort of twofold. One, the word is that they finished a script and that people like it. But of course, that's the word. The other thing is that they have signed Matt Reeves to direct it, um, which is the first time I've been genuinely excited for this film. Uh, not just because I think he's a cool director, but also because he comes out of that um, that J.J. Abrams camp, and I want someone to direct one of these movies who I believe will go in and be like, guys, we don't need a lot of this shit. I'm going to cut this. Now, I don't know whether or not he's going to have that control, but he has at least got a good head on his shoulders so that, you know, if that movie is kind of messy, hopefully he will speak up and go, no, 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 no. Like, we are missing character and plot and direction. Uh, so we're, we need to go fix that. But uh, I think it's really exciting. I love him. If you need any, like, like reminder of his resume, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Let <sighs> Me In. Uh, he's now doing War for the Planet of the Apes right now. Yeah. All right, I guess they're in they're, right, they must be. Yeah, imposed, they're about right? to. Oh yeah, they're yeah, about they're to about to wrap it. it. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, gosh, Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Yeah. Yeah, Cloverfield. Yeah. His yeah. start. His start was Cloverfield. That's right. Um, but yeah, I mean, go back and watch all of the amazing sequences in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and even though that movie is not perfect, like it's beautiful and really cool. Mm. Um, he's got, as far as I'm concerned, a, a pretty good uh, reputation. So, except, I read Ridley Scott offered to direct it. Oh and really? They declined really? That. Um, <laughs> huh? I don't know if he's the best fit, but I—that's what I, I want to see. see that. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, if there's no stakes, sure. Like I want to check that out. Um, it would, of course, be Ridley Scott's The Batman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that does sound cool. There's a bunch of like religious. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. No, the movie would would very quickly be about like a struggle between two brothers, or like, or about there would be some personification of God in there. Oh, Maybe man. Batman just hangs well, out in a vineyard for a while, or or we would get the other Ridley Scott where it would just be entirely nihilistic, and it's just like it's just like Batman who believes in nothing, and at the end he just like he just kills the Joker, just cold blooded, like just crushes him with a cement mixer are you sure you just don't want to watch the counselor again <laughs> yeah no that's what i'm saying oh that's what it is is it's it's batman but batman just walks up like at the end has his face up with the joker and like wrestles him to the ground and then puts one of those collars from the counselor around the joker and we just watch his head get sliced off with a wire and, and that's the end of the movie <laughs> batman's like no fuck evil <laughs> credits <laughs> that'd be cool yeah, I have no idea what that would look like. We'll never know. Oh, man. That seems weird. It, I can see that being one where they just turned it down because it was too expensive. Like, really, Scott directing that is... Or they need someone who's malleable because yeah. it's more of Jeff Johns is running the show. Yeah. And so I think they want to start putting... Like, they're giving up on the auteur directors and doing the Marvel style where they kind of, like, get people who follow their rules. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the opposite of what I just said, because I'm hoping that Matt Reeves at least, like, he can follow the rules, but, you know, in a James Gunn kind of way, pipe in and go, like, hey, this is a good idea, that is a good idea, I want to take it this way. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy feels like James Gunn, yep. um, but, you know, reined in a little bit. Nobody, like, God doesn't come down and touch your brain or anything, but um, 
hopefully this will feel like a Matt Reeves movie um, and and he'll have some control to make sure that that, that the quality is there. Because I want a good Batman movie. Like, I like Batman. You know? He's the only character in that whole thing that I actually care about. Um, so, I think it's exciting. It's cool. Yeah. Especially after last week when everything was so dour, <laughs> no matter what they said. It seems like they came out and they, they were like, we, we need to control this message fast. Because <laughs> um, otherwise this is going to be poison, just like every other piece of news that's come out of that camp. <laughs> hey, uh, what's going on with Clerks 3 and Mallrats 2 lately? Wait a segue! Um, they're not happening. No! Yeah, surprise! Yeah. Uh, who could have predicted that? Um, yeah, I think it's just getting Jeff Anderson to actually commit to them. Uh, now, Mallrats 2 doesn't require Jeff Anderson. Yeah, so, but it requires a network to yeah. produce the show, which I guess they've all declined to, so... Yeah, I, so the the word is that he's going to make a movie um, that is AJ and Silent Bob reboot, so it's called? Apparently uh, the plot is is that they have to go back, they have to go to Hollywood to stop a movie from being made that's a reboot of the movie they already tried to stop from being made in uh, the first one. Okay. <laughs> so it is a... Satire. Re- yeah, it's a remake and satire of, you know... Silent Bob Strike Back, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, I, the way this reads to me is like he can't get a a real movie made, but getting his his like slapsticky characters together again for a movie that is like a proven formula, he can get that made. Um, Seems like like it. that's what it reads to me is that no you know nobody's nobody's willing to to buy Mallrats too, even though that movie has a good enough cult following that I feel like if you made it if you made it cheap, which it's a movie that takes place in a mall, um, and you had a good script, I feel like you could do well enough but i don't know i don't know i mean it's jay and silent bob i I mean i i wouldn't sell yoga hosers yeah Yeah, well you're and your life is worse for it um i i I, you know actually i have to tell you that i heard brian's review of it and you know what i'm sorry i i i didn't mean to hate on it as much as i did but let me just say that movie was not made for me that was what i said yeah oh no that movie wasn't made for me yeah. Um, but as far as the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, I'm I'm there. Like I'll I'll see what Jay and Silly Bob are up to. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, now, just following in the last conversation, I feel like Kevin Smith has become like the DC of people. Where I just everything <laughs> everything he says and Ow. does, I just go like, well, this is going to be disappointing Dude, when it comes out. That's like, kind of harsh. <laughs> it's true. Like everything I see with him, the most exciting thing I've watched. With that involved Kevin Smith was the like thirty minute walkthrough of Mile High Comics that he did on on uh, Facebook a couple months ago when he was here in Denver. Um, that was really great. I watched the whole thing. And I was like, look how excited and passionate he is, and how much he loves this comic book store. And then uh, yoga hosers. But anyway, um, hopefully it'll be good. I really love Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah. Um, and if if that because you're an American. <laughs> if that movie, if if he can make another one that is as good or at least close to as good as that movie, um, that's fun and lighthearted and solid and has some direction to it, then maybe he can sort of you know get his his feet back underneath him and get some pull to actually go make a well what I really want, which is hit somebody. Yeah, I've wanted hit somebody for like eight years now, um, or however long it's been since Red State came out and he was he was talking about it then. So. Um, Anyway, well, you know what I want? What? The Return of Justice. What? What is that? Shannon, Shannon Elizabeth's character. Oh, oh yes. 
I want to uh, see how that relationship panned out. <laughs> there won't be any be... George Carlin or Carrie Fisher cameos in it, though. Oh, no. oh you son of a bitch. <laughs> Why do you have to be the downer? <laughs> that's what I do. Oh, that's just terrible. I, you, oh, there we go. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, so David Gordon Green is directing the new Hollywood uh, Halloween movie. Ah! And it's not going to acknowledge the other ones exist. Is that right, Zach? Okay, so this is what I heard. First of all... Um, it's it's supposed to take place after Halloween two, but it's not going to address any of the Halloween. Other... Wait, which Halloween two? Halloween the... two or Halloween two? Halloween. <laughs> John Carpenter's Halloween two. Okay, all right. Uh, or or I should say Rick Rosenthal's Halloween two. You understand my confusion? <laughs> yeah, I understand your confusion because there's two Halloween twos, which is strange. Right. Um, no, uh, it's. I've heard a couple of different things. I've heard it's not going to acknowledge any of the sequels, and I've heard it's going to acknowledge Halloween two only. But, but I don't but know the Halloween f- one, or just that it's gonna. Well, hop. it's gonna not Halloween okay, one. Obviously, right, you yeah, can't yeah. not do that. Right. <laughs> That's stupid, James. <laughs> You're right. That was a dumb question. Like they, dumb yeah. things. <laughs> so, cool. is the new Halloween called Halloween Three? Then I'm confused. Oh, if they, if, oh my god! If they called it Halloween Three, but it's but it's a different. It's, it's, it's a different but it's Halloween the, three than Halloween three, but it's not part of the Halloween. It's not a Halloween three to the to the other franchise of Halloween one and Halloween two. Yep, it would become the most convoluted and fucked up <laughs> franchise in the world. Hey, spoiler alert! That's the entire series of Halloween. Oh, well, that that could be fair. <laughs> it's convoluted. It's been retconned to death. Like there's no there's no consistency with the series. Sure, it's it's like a Friday the Thirteenth. There's no consistency with those either. Yeah. Is there anything like I? I understand and appreciate the story of Halloween One. Is there anything else to do or say about Halloween? Here's here's my here's what I think ought to happen. Is if I if I've heard if if based off what I've heard that they're not going to acknowledge any of the sequels and that would include Halloween Two, is that it doesn't have to focus on Laurie Strode. It, it it's got to get away from the Strode mentality. It's got to get away from the family. Oh, is that the the girl from the first movie? Yeah. Uh, Jamie Lee Jamie Curtis, Lee Curtis yeah. yeah, it's got to get away from the from the Laurie Strode mentality because Michael Myers as a character is supposed to be pure evil. So if they get away from that whole like I, I gotta kill my sister vibe, then <laughs> I think they'll be fine. What? But you know, and, and this is what I like about the news is not necessarily that it's happening, but the people they got behind it. Yeah, because I like David Gordon Green's work, yeah. and I love Danny McBride, and I think that. If Danny McBride actually takes this seriously, the way he takes his acting to a degree, like his comedic acting, like if he can transfer that power over to horror, because, I mean, it's possible. I I could see a fun movie in this. So, and John Carpenter said he might also do the music for this, which really gets me excited. Oh, that would be neat. He said he might, maybe. He hasn't confirmed it yet. I think he's he's doing the same thing that John Williams does, which is like, if I don't die... (laughs) From like the chain smoking that I encompass myself in every day, then yes, I will do the score for Halloween, the next one. <laughs> yeah, D- Danny McBride is writing it. Is he in the movie? Is he Michael? <laughs> it's like slapsticky Michael. I, I Michael's I, gonna be Michael Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is my favorite version of Halloween ever. Oh my god, Danny right. McBride is Doctor Loomis. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> my, Michael Sarah is Michael. Like Audrey Plaza is his sister. She's happy to die. <laughs> She's like, thank God. Just get it over with already, please. That Direct- sounds like the best movie from the director of George Washington and Snow Angels. <laughs> 
<laughs> Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty good. Actually, oh, yeah. that'd be they also did Pineapple Express, so it's going to be Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Seth Rogen shows up oh. as Jason. James yeah. Franco's Freddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes around, and, like, killing all of the... No, he goes is around... Is he as Chucky? <laughs> yeah. It's, like, set in a state where they've just made weed legal, but there's people protesting, and then suddenly... Somebody keeps killing all the protesters. That was a there was a movie like that once, a horror film like that called The Trip. Oh, really? Something like that. Yeah, there was like protesters, and they keep getting killed by a guy in a Ronald Reagan mask. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I'm not joking. It was real. All right. So my question is: Do we need to script this and then submit it somewhere before we put out this podcast? <laughs> you know what the good news is: We're not sending it to the wine scenes. We're sending it to Jason Blum, so he will easily read our script. Oh, yeah, perfect. And we're going to title it Halloween Three. There are no Halloweeds 1 and 2. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween 3, the not sequel, sequel. Yeah. Yeah. The, Se- the prequel. Se- season of the... Uh, oh. Season of the... Season of the... Uh, it's got to be something like weed-related, like Season of the Blunt. No, you just call it Halloween 3, the, the, the Origins. The Origins. The Origins. <laughs> the, the, the Origins. <laughs> yeah. Show the stutter in there. <laughs> Strains of evil. <laughs> Strains of evil. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, marijuana. Yeah. It's funny, people. It's funny because it's uh, legal now. Uh, and the very last thing is that uh, they started shooting Infinity War this week, and they blew up the internet by simply putting a picture of three dudes on a set and then intercutting it with a bunch of footage of the movies we've already seen. Uh, but everybody watched it, and it was like three different things on the front page of Reddit for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. See the concept art of Rocket Raccoon and Thor together? Yeah. Isn't yeah. that pretty cool? <laughs> What's crazy is like they, they, they've said that the, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy and that the Avengers are not really going to meet. Um, and, of course, that could have changed from like a year ago when they said that. But um, it's just interesting to see like what stuff they're releasing and whether or not it's actually even going to be in the movie. Um, but whatever. It'll be cool. Whatever they make is going to be awesome. Um, it's definitely cool to see like Chris Pratt and... Um, Robert Downey Jr. and that Spider-Man kid all standing on a set together being like, I'm, I'm, I'm a Spider-Man. I'm, I'm Iron Man. That's, I was, ex- that's exactly what they said. I actually watched it without the audio because I was at the Alamo. Uh, so I have no idea what they said, but I'm sure it was cool. It was something like that about you know being Iron Man and Spider-Man. Well, I have the audio clip. Can we play it? <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, it looks cool. Whatever. it'll That movie will will probably be something. This is yep. the first show since the Super Bowl, right? Oh, it is. So was that we also had a Guardians trailer part, like point five. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I like Mantis getting in that <laughs> space rock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that trailer is really good. Yeah. What else was there at the at, at the Super Bowl? Um, oh, there was a Pirates Dead Man's. Yes, you um, finally saw some more. But Johnny I only Depp, I only I saw that on TV, and I, so I didn't really hear it very well. But it looked yeah. cooler without audio. It looked cooler than the than that first trailer. Uh, I watched it on teaser. my phone. Yeah, and so at first I thought uh, uh, Jack Sparrow was like charred and burnt, and thus probably an undead pirate. Oh, that'd be cool. But it looks like he's just actually dust in oil. So oh, okay. But that works too. I want to see the movie where he's also an undead pirate. Is Jack Sparrow the main character of this movie? I don't think so, because Will Turner's back. Okay, good. Oof, man. <sighs> I really need him to not be the main character. It's fine if he's in the movie a lot. He just needs to not be the main focus of the film. Yep. <laughs> um, so, 
Yeah, I think that looks good. We got a we got a Transformers trailer, but that wasn't much. That was just more Transformers, more um, incoherency. Yeah, we got a Baywatch trailer, um, and I was just excited to see The Rock. That's it. Yeah, I feel like there's one more, but it probably wasn't very much. Nothing from DC. Nothing from DC because they don't have they don't have anything launching or going well, coming out this Oh yeah, that's right. What about that Lego Ninjago movie? Oh yeah, we got the trailer. uh, Yeah, at least in front of our movie, um, we got to see the the Ninjago. And when it started, and I was like, "Oh wow, they're like, they already have a trailer out for this sucker." That thing was cool. Like Jackie Chan's in it. Yeah, like Dave Franco. I'm not a guy. I know that Ninjago is Ninjago is really popular among kids, and so for me, I was like, "Oh okay, this is a shoe in. They definitely need to make this, but it's probably maybe one that I don't need to see." Because I'm not interested. Because I expected it to be like a, a serious lore heavy like, we're ninjas. Da, 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 da. And then the track trailer came out, and I was like, this is great. This is just a really fun, you know, like family uh, comedy. Um, Another silly really Lego movie kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, my he's, my dad's an evil dad and <laughs> doesn't know that he has a son. That's a, these are these are the jokes. My name's um, Lloyd. No, you're Lloyd. Lloyd, I named you. You ruined my life. How could I ruin your life? I wasn't even there. <laughs> it's great. It's just really great. Right. And then to go from that into the trailer for for uh, Boss Baby, that's just like uh, oh god. Only time my audience even laughed was at fart jokes. I'm like, ah, uh, you just you make me sad. We at, at least when we saw it. The a good portion of the audience laughed at the uh, cookies are for closers line, so I was oh, glad really? that we had a higher brow of, of clientele in our screening. Nice. Yeah. That, that's what happens when you go to a Friday night showing at the Alamo, is you're going to fill it with you know uh, uppity movie fans. So that's cool. Yeah. I guess I don't know. I'm not. It's not like I'm sitting here really rooting for like, oh man, we need more references to Glenn Cooper, Glenn Ross. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that trailer is such dog shit, <laughs> man. And I got the one for that Smurfs movie too. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At least it's fully animated now. And right. It has no Hank Azaria dancing around his Gargamel. Right. It's not like what if Smurfs were a taxi? <laughs> it wouldn't be funny. That's what we learned. We learned that it wouldn't be funny if they were in a taxi. <laughs> what if they uh, did it again? No. Yeah. Again, you're not listening to me. <laughs> what if Katie per- Katy Perry was a Smurf? I, I, yeah. Then people would go see it. I guess. I I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it, that's all we learned. Um. Yeah. So anyway. Anything else? Anything I missed? No, I don't think so. Cool. Cool, cool. This is the stuff we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. I'll start with the guest. Have you watched anything cool recently? I have. I watched, uh, and I know Zach watched this also, so it's it'll be a fun one to talk about. Neat. I saw uh, Beware the Slender Man on HBO Oh, um, just last weekend. That's the documentary it, where those kids kill each other because Slender Man. That is correct. Awesome. Um, well, and, and to be specific, two girls attempted to kill their friend, and she survived. Oh, um, I'm way more interested in watching this documentary now. Yes, it's very... Um, <laughs> I feel like in the trailer, I, I got the feeling that they actually killed somebody, and so I feel way better. Like I think that's the reason I hadn't watched it yet. So it's just the cool. way the trailer market it, markets it, but the, I yeah. mean, the case is, is public fact. So. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I just hadn't read about it much because I, I things like that make me sad, I so know. I avoid them. Yes. But, uh, so this is cool. Now I'm, I'm way yeah. more excited to see the documentary and that's it's the the story um what's really interesting about it is they they were going to try these two girls who i think they were 12 at the time they did this sure uh, they're debating on whether or not to well i shouldn't say debating they're having a trial to determine whether or not they're trying them as adults or kids and oh, that's okay. kind of the big uh, story element of it 
is how that's going to play out. So it's it's actually very interesting to get into the characters, these girls, their backgrounds, why they kind of latched on to this internet phenomenon and like how that influenced them. Uh, very, I mean, the for me, for most documentaries, the edit is so key to mm-hmm. telling a good story and it's cut so well. Like it's, you're just on the edge of your seat the whole time. You super. feel like shit at the end of it. But <laughs> <laughs> it's a super tight cut though. Yeah. Yeah. Like, really it's tight It's very cut. effective. Is it on Netflix? It's on HBO. Oh, 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 okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I watched it on my HBO Go. Very neat. So do they, for anybody who doesn't know the story, do they believe, well, there is this thing on the internet that was based, that came out of a video game that somebody made called Slender Man where like, you were you were walking around in the woods and you didn't want to see Slenderman and if you saw him like people got very scared and then he would kill you in the game Jeez. and then it, it became like a internet meme and then is the story here that they actually believed in Slenderman or they were gonna try and frame Slenderman for their friend's murder? Uh, what was the story? They believed in Slenderman. Okay, yes. then they're children. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> open and shut case. Or well, they're insane. The, one of the two, right? The, d- d- well, no, the video game wasn't the origin. It no, was the this. the origin was actually a um, it was a Photoshop contest online where you had to oh, take a photo right. and see if you could make it look like like an old photo and put something in it that wasn't originally there, but fool people into thinking something was. Yeah. And so this person had made this abnormally tall, lanky individual in a suit with just a white face and hands, and people kind of latched on to the imagery and started writing stories about it yeah. from that kind of competition. But it has spawned video games and memes and That's right. fan art and all kinds of crazy things from there. Yeah, I think the video game was just where I heard about it first. Yeah. yeah that, it, it is. It's a creepy image, like, you know. Um, but not real. Exactly. No. It's, I, it's, I mean, like, gosh, I, is nope. it okay if I talk about it right now a little bit? Yeah, of like, course. Really quickly. Yeah, of course. Okay, so I I saw where the Slenderman guys, um, the uh, there's a weird, and I was telling Steve at this the Alamo, um, yeah, uh, this morning. There's a there's a level of empathy that is so uncomfortable mm. because they get to for, a for point, the for the murderers. Yes, because you get to a point where you discover something about at least one of the girls that. You just don't know how to how to uh, really process it because hmm. it takes you to an emotional core. It, it hits you like a fucking bag of hammers. Yeah, and um, and he knows what I'm talking about. I don't want to spoil it for you because yeah. it's just too. I, I, it's just it's, it's it's a very powerful reveal. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a very powerful reveal. Cool, and and it's complicated. It's a very complicated scenario. Like I know Ryan was uh, when I heard Ryan's review of it. The reason I watched it was because Ryan recommended it. Oh, okay. And uh, I haven't felt this conflicted about a, a case since uh, Paradise Lost. Sure. So to watch this unfold was so fascinating. And I know Ryan has his own like his cool. bottom line on it. Sure. My bottom line is a little like I'd have to watch it again and really think about it because so, I don't know if they should be a tried as an adult or not. Right, because that's the question. It's not that it's not uh, unlike, they do unlike it. Paradise Lost, where the question is whether or not they were guilty, not, not framed, but I mean basically framed by the people of that town. Um, it's here, a matter here. We know that they try to do it. It's a question of like whether or not they are are innocent of their crimes because they actually believed this thing or not, or whether or not they were, you know, 
old enough and adult enough to really think this through. Right. And yeah. I and I think empathy is the wrong word. I think sympathy is the word I'm looking for. Sure. I'm sorry. No, yeah, no, um, I think that makes sense. The uh um the 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 the, the it's not about whether they did it or not. They're fully admitting to it, but you have to watch emotion in that movie. Like yeah. it's like watching an actor give a performance sometimes. You got to watch their specific quirks, their yeah. specific tics. And in this film, you get to see specific tics that will disturb you, they will shock you, and they will make you really question what's right and what's wrong in this scenario. Mm-hmm. And so. also question whether or not you want to have kids. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh good. Oh god. Oh good. No, no. I I said it a couple weeks ago, and I'm saying it again. There's no grandchildren for you, Dale and Jeannie. Because <laughs> <laughs> one of them might believe in the Slender Man and kill their friend. Yeah, just <laughs> just. I'm not saying oh, I do. Rough. I'm just saying they might. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Okay. Cool. 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 Anything else? Uh, we watched Lights Out earlier in the week. Oh, uh, that's the one where the it's the like lights a, go out. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a ghost, but I don't <laughs> like the light. Yes. Okay. Uh, I yeah, and we I watched it because I was familiar with the short on uh, YouTube, and that's oh, kind sure. of the dream as a filmmaker is put a short on YouTube and <laughs> then get a, a feature deal out of it. Yeah. So yeah, I was call like, from yeah, this guy, and he's like, "Why don't you just make a thing, a whole thing?" Yeah. Yeah. So, Everybody wants that, right? And so uh, you know, I was interested to see how they took this you know four minute YouTube short that yeah. was actually very good, like built tension well, and mm-hmm. like it was a nice jump scare at the end. And uh, translated that into a feature film, and it was it was okay, <laughs> you know. I some good jump scares, um, some neat tricks they did with the lighting because the the thing can only appear in the darkness and sure. stuff. I like the black light um, sequence, like the black light se- sequence was super rad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, otherwise uh, I was I was kind of lukewarm on it. Do they replicate the short in the movie, or is it? Or no? Like, is there a sequence in the movie that's like, hey, this is the short? Uh, a little bit at the very beginning, and actually the woman at the beginning of the film is the woman from the short film. Oh, oh So okay. that was kind of a fun little, like, bringing her back in. Sure. Um, to, to get killed again. But. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Very cool. All right. Anything else? Uh, I that? think that's mostly it. When I got home from the show last night, my wife was watching Finding Dory. I only caught about 20 minutes of it, so I oh, okay. can't say much to that one. But It's all right. Yeah, well, it's good enough. You should see the rest eventually. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out this week sometime. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, Zach. What have you been watching lately? Uh the last twenty minutes of Finding Dory just to, <laughs> <laughs> just to throw everybody off. Um, no, so I, I I went through the documentary ringer. This happens to me every so often. Um, uh, so I saw Beware the Slender Man. Not going to say anything else about that except check it out. Yeah, one of the best documentaries I've seen in a while. I'm convinced. Um, I went to go see I'm Not Your Negro this morning. Oh, cool. Uh, it's about James Baldwin, the civil rights activist, yeah. and about a book that he was trying to finish, but he only got 30 pages in. Um, about um, Before he died or before, before he was I, like, this isn't any good? Bef- before he died, I think. Okay. And, it was, and it, was, it was supposed to be about three different civil rights activists and their connection to the whole, uh, to the whole civil rights movement sure. and how it coalesces. And it was Martin Luther King... Malcolm X and um, one other person. I'm trying to remember the name. I feel really bad at not remembering the name. They don't really talk about this other third person that much either because sure. he was the first to die oh, okay. um, amongst them. Um, it is a – it's like a poem okay, and a really good poem that needs to be heard because mm-hmm. um, it, it – it, it, through, through the archive footage and through footage of James Baldwin being interviewed – you get a sense of his story, his life, 
through his views and his opinions mm-hmm. and through it you're you're just kind of i mean he uses one of the things i loved about it was that like so he talks about going back to new york after uh living in europe and instead of showing archival footage at first of new york he uses uh footage from today mm. and just kind of shows the parallels between what he's talking about now is just as important as it was back then sure and it goes throughout the entire <laughs> film in that fashion yeah um I don't. I I will say though, it is not my f- favorite documentary of last year. Probably the thirteenth one was, because um, oh, yeah. they, they deal with the, they deal with the same subjects in in, in indirectly. Yeah. So, um, but I I think I am not your Negro is a very good film. I would want to watch it again, honestly. For the record, I, I only laughed because for a second I thought you were saying that it was your thirteenth favorite documentary, and I was like, wait, what? Oh, oh no, you meant. 13th was your favorite documentary. No, no. Remember we derailed yes. Henry that entire time? That one? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Made jokes about the Friday series and the Friday the 13th series all at once. Oh, man. That was good. That, that was back was when good. this podcast was great. Here's a clip from last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. I saw Birth of a Movement from Independent Lens, which is the same company that did I Am Not Your Negro. Yeah, what is that? I've not that is this. about the uh, debate. Uh, well, it's, okay, not debate. It's not a debate, guys. There was a racist movie made in 1915 called Birth of a Nation. Yeah, super racist. Yeah, uh, directed by D.W. Griffith. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately who, has a very important role in like the history of cinema. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's, it's very disturbing sometimes to think about that, that we sprouted from that. Anyway, um, there's a documentary on PBS. It's about 50 minutes um, about the, um, uh, the Guardian newspaper in Boston hmm. that uh, started a riot um, to get the screenings uh, stopped. Of the original film, back of the original release? film back in release, yes. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, so it's really good. That. It talks about the history of D.W. Griffith, and it talks about the history of this uh, newspaper uh, man who wanted the film banned, and really kind of goes into it. It's like the argument, you know, how like how much importance should we place on this in history? Yeah, and how does that pertain to today? And they on, talk to a lot of people. On Birth of a Nation specifically, or? On Birth of a Nation specifically, yes. Like, mm-hmm. how much of, like, yes, it did this, this, and this technically. Yeah. Like, Dude, oddly enough, the most restrained interview is from Spike Lee. Yeah. Who actually talks about the first time he ever saw Birth of a Nation, which was at his NYU film school. Mm-hmm. And um, they, all they gave, there was no context given to that film at the time when they were teaching uh, this film in their film history classes. Really? He says, in his, in his Spike's words, there were no, there was no context given. Like they just said, this is one of the greatest movies of all time. Watch it. Oh well, that's just not true. Being first doesn't make it great. It's just first. Well, again, um, this is what he's saying. His teachers told him. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it's entirely possible that Spike Lee filters all of his experiences through, you know, his own version of things. But, possible, but I, again, I, also very true that like he could have been at a very racist school that thought the Birth of a Nation was one of the greatest films ever made. Well, when he went to NYU, it was still like nineteen late nineteen seventies, early nineteen eighties. Yeah, so. very true. Um, um, but but it is true that I, at least for me, like I don't, I don't put that movie on any kind of a pedestal the way that I do thinking about George Melier, who you know was the was real. It, yeah, what what didn't necessarily like in, invented. Special effects didn't necessarily invent full-length feature films. Right. Um, but, like, I think back on that as being, like, this really cool moment in, in the history of film. And I don't do that with Birth of a Nation. And I'm sure that's because of the context. Um, yeah. So. But, uh, anyway, it, it's an interesting. You can watch it for free on PBS. I'd check it out. 
Yeah. Um, just if you're in the mood for a history lesson. Um, Amazon Prime had doomed the untold story of Roger Corman's Fantastic Four movie available for free to watch. Ooh. So I watched that. <laughs> that was a pretty fucked up story, guys. <laughs> Roger Corman looks like... Well, Roger Corman looks naturally old, but he looked even older talking about this subject than he's ever than he's ever been. Huh. <laughs> he felt like... It, it, it was like nailing an old man to a wall and saying, where's the money, old man? Sure. It was... It was it was so devastating to see all these actors put their heart and soul into this movie mm. that they that that also that as we all know went absolutely nowhere. Yeah, and they they play a lot of blame on Avi Arad, rightfully so, because Avi Arad is just terrible. Yeah. Um. But <coughs> what was fascinating was actually like you look at the mechanics of uh, Ben Grimm and the thing. Mm-hmm. I was convinced. Which is all a practical suit, yeah. Yeah, I was convinced. I was just like, if this was 1994 and this is all I could get access to, yeah, yeah. shoot, I'd buy it. <laughs> yeah. It didn't look that crummy to me. But then they start showing the visual effects that they were trying to do, and they were getting, like, people from a, from a house that was, like, that were, they could have been an artist on Independence Day, but was not really an art, but wasn't, like, the head of the department. Sure. So they're trying to scramble and get done what they can yeah. to create visual effects, and they're doing a terrible job at it. Mm. Um, so, but the actors are all seem to be very cool with their station in life, so, you know, yeah. you can't really get, uh, too deep into that. And then, um, the, uh, uh, last thing that I saw in the documentary ringer, um, uh, and all that I watched this week was The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened. Oh, cool. Uh, I'd seen it before, but I wanted to watch it again because I just, I was, after uh, Doomed, I was just on a kick. I think I should probably watch that because I, tr- I think I helped kickstart that. <laughs> I should probably <laughs> give it the time of day. Your name might be on it. You never know. Oh, I didn't <laughs> give it that much money. Don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Directed How is it? by James Hart. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even know. Executive this. producer James Hart. Well, oh, did that come out? <laughs> yeah. Um, is it good? Oh, yeah. It's a great movie. Um, I think out of any of the nerds who would appreciate it, Brad would probably appreciate it the most. Mm. But And I'm sure you've seen it before, right? Really? You haven't? No, oh, I'm you, not. you love it. Is it on Netflix? <laughs> it's not. No, that's why. Do you have stars? <laughs> I have nothing but Netflix. Nef- nothing but Netflix? All right, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. In YouTube, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really good. I would check it out if you can. Like, if it's on iTunes to rent, then it's two ninety nine, and it's worth it. Are you a Prime member? Yeah, I'm a Prime member. Oh, okay. oh no, he's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, I think I think Stars is is teamed up with with Amazon Prime. So yeah, it is. Prime, you get it. Yeah. So, so, so cool. that's all I watched this week. Dope, Brad. Uh, so. I got to see Party Down again for the first time in like oh, since man. Stars pulled it off of Netflix. Yeah, that show is so uh, good. It's on DVD, complete series DVD. So yeah. watch that and that. Yeah, that show is tons of fun. Um, if you haven't listened to an episode since like 2011, Party Down is about. <laughs> it's in the vein of like uh, you know FX show like uh, Always Sunny or uh, The League about yes. a bunch of caterers. Yes. Um, just uh, all, a bunch of failed actors and failed writers trying to. Make their way in uh, Hollywood. It's made by Rob Thomas, the guy who made Veronica Mars. So it's got a lot of those. Yeah. Like it's got Paul Rudd. it's got the guy who plays Dick. Um, yeah, yes. it's a really good cast. Yeah, great cast. Wait, Paul Rudd is in there? No, he's a producer. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think he helped write the first episode too. But uh, Adam Scott, Martin um, Starr, and Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch is only in season Ken one. Ken Marino. Though. Yeah, Ken Marino. Oh yeah. man, he kills it in that show. Megan Mullally, season two. Um, uh, Kristen Bell shows up in a, in a few episodes. Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. Um, that show is, is subversive. One of those cool little golden flash in the pans that, you know, of course got canceled after two seasons because nobody was watching it but me uh, and Brad. Yeah. And, uh, and it was on Stars. <laughs> and it was on Stars. Uh, and it didn't have, it wasn't Spartacus, so it wasn't full of like sex and nudity. Um, it's great. Although there's a lot of nudity. Well, in that yeah. one, in the, in the orgy a... episode, yes. <laughs> Uh, where they cater and the there's an club. episode where they order they cater an orgy uh, and it's pretty great uh, it's just as uncomfortable as you would think Thomas especially Lennon's in it yeah, yeah. Tom, Tom Lennon is throwing an orgy but nobody really knew that they were coming to an orgy he made so it, the, a masquerade yes. invitation everyone thought it was just like a mask party yes it's so good so he's just running around furious that no one is having sex at his orgy and the only people who are naked are the waiters um, oh it's so good that episode is great yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. That's a great show. Very cool. Uh, and the other thing I watched is uh, the, I think, 1998 movie of Lost in Space. Oh, hell oh, right. yes. Right. Let me guess, because oh it was on Netflix, it, right? Yep. It I saw Netflix. that on my listings today. <laughs> because it's good. Nope. No, it's not. But nope. it's fun. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, I, I know it gets a lot of, like, It gets paid as shat being, on a lot. Yeah. And I remember I, my, I haven't seen it since... I think the nineties. Yeah. Uh, and I don't remember it being that bad. And I yeah. watched it and like, Oh my God, the effects do not hold up. Oh no. Cause they, I, I remember the whole opening sequence where he's flying like a B wing and, uh, and like yeah. fighting this stuff. I remember that stuff being really cool. It's not bad. Okay. Um, cause it's, uh, it's what's it's Joey from friends. And yep. he's like, I'm in a B wing and he's flying around and like he and his friend are like shooting at something. Are there aliens in that movie? Like attacking them or something? No, or I, I don't remember the very they're, beginning. They're that. frightened somebody. I know his buddy's ship malfunctions, and so he has to yeah. like, Matt LeBlanc has to get his ship aligned with his friend, and then his he nudges him, and then they yeah. miss the uh, like containment ring. Yeah, and he his friend I think floats away. Yeah, and then Matt LeBlanc just goes and parks his B wing. Yeah, and then we never find out what happens Save. to the guy. Yeah, but he comes back later as part of the plot. Yeah, because. Uh, one of the worlds they go into has like a time portal wall. And so they go back in time and they meet like William Hurt. Uh, what, who, who's the kid um, um, in Lost in Space? Uh, Will, Will, Will Robinson. Will Robinson, right. Yeah. There's like, uh, what's his name? Jared. Leto. Not Leto. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, the guy who's uh, Moriarty in Sherlock Holmes. Oh, Jared Bush? Uh, Jared, No. Jared in which show? And he was in Mad Men. Jared Harris. Jared Harris. Yes. Oh, there we go. He's like old Will Robinson, and he's been stranded with the doctor, the uh, Mr. Smith. And uh, at some point in the past, Mr. Smith was infected with some spider. And so the one cool thing is, so Gary Oldman's Mr. Smith, right? Yeah. In the movie, and Dude. in the future, he's like this cloaked weird like mutant thing mm-hmm. and you're looking yeah no i'm looking pictures. up jared harris in, in lost in space because i didn't realize that was him yeah he looks so different because he's young yep oh man i remember really liking that character when it showed up because he's like kind of crazy um yeah it's a cool idea that like um and obviously the the main thing is like uh william hurt my dad robinson is so like <laughs> successful dad. And Papa uh, Robinson, but he's neglected his son through the movie. So, yeah, but the movie just doesn't focus enough on that. No, but anyway, uh, but Mr. It, Smith, it's trying. It's it gets tra- points yeah. for trying. <laughs> but Mr. Smith, like he sabotages the thing, and that's why they get lost. 
Um, but his future character is like this cloaked monster thing that he's like mutated into. Yeah. And the effects, like, they it's, don't, they it's don't a real cloak with a, with a, like animatronics. But the face, I couldn't tell if it was like animatronic or CGI until the cloak comes off and he's like. And then it's probably terrible. And then it's it? the terrible CGI. Oh, and then there's man. also a. In my mind, it's terrifying. Because when I saw it in theaters yeah. as a kid, I was like. This is fucking insane. Like, this is so uh, nightmare-inducing. Yeah. Um, uh, it's probably not like that anymore. No, no. The, before, when the cloak's well, on... Or you're like, no, it's still nightmare-inducing, but it's just that bad CGI that it, like, yeah. turns me over in my sleep. No, it's it good. a different type of nightmare. It's good while the yeah. cloak's on, but when he takes the cloak off and he's, like, fully CGI, that, that's when it, like, loses all credibility. But when the cloak was on, I'm just like, that is so disturbing to watch. Like, it's this real... Almost like a, a stunt double with yeah. with an animated or like it, it doesn't even look like CGI. Yeah, he looks it? he looks like a um uh like a Jim Henson puppet or yeah. something like 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 a, like a, obviously a really scary realistic one. Um but the way his hood falls kinda looks like um like from from the Christmas Carol, you know, like the 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 death of future Christmas yeah. or whatever it is. It's the same with those Harry Potter things, the death. Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, whatever those things are, yeah. For sure. Um so yeah, and then there's like, uh, and then and then this happens where he goes all weird CG and I'm I'm a crazy monster thing. Yeah, that's the part uh, that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then there's also uh, Lacey Chabert. Like they find some weird CGI monkey thing. Oh yeah, that's uh, terrible. In, uh, yes, in I remember the spider thinking. garden or whatever it was. Yes, yeah, um, and, and that thing's awful. I was gonna say that thing probably looks like it's made out of play doh. Uh, um, it looks like it's made out of. Uh, like they didn't turn the ray tracing or the textures on, <laughs> and then printed the movie. Oh, is it on there? Uh, no, I'm just looking at pictures of Gary Oldman because I, I, just, I just searched for I just searched for Gary Oldman. I think the it, oh, but how cool was this fucking robot? Like this robot it was dies really in, like awesome. the first five minutes, and then it, no, it goes to regular was, yeah, robot. Yes, but it was cool looking. Was. I had a toy of it because yeah. I thought it was so badass. Um, there's so much about this movie that was potentially cool yeah um man so this was 98 right i think so yeah, yeah. Man, i saw this in the theater and i don't remember a goddamn thing about <laughs> it <right? laughs> so it's part of that is because it is so weird and convoluted because they 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 hyper space into like this weird time bubble and then they can't get out and then they and there's a whole section where they land on this ship and the ship is full of spiders and then they land they crash on a planet and then on the planet is another time bubble, and inside that time bubble is old Will Robinson. So, like, they, something happens in the timeline where they create all these weird time bubbles, and then they, and they've trapped themselves in it. Like, it's so convoluted and weird, but, like, the things that, like, it's, it's one of those things where you can, you can imagine, like, a, a 90s uh, sci-fi writer being really excited about this story, and then it just doesn't really come off right. Like, people, I, I remember being kind of confused, um, at least when I was a kid. Mm. Um, so I don't know. Did, did when watching it, did you feel like you, it made sense to you? I mean, it, I kind of tuned out when they finally like got lost and like started the time bubbles. So yeah. I, I got lost there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then after that, it's a lot of them just running from danger. Um, yeah. so that's not hard to be confused about. Um, I was going to say there's also a uh, Matt LeBlanc is always hitting on Heather Graham. In yes. Like a, like you do like a, like a, 
boilerplate misogynist way. Um, <laughs> this thing, which, this, oh this, yeah, blorp? yeah, this is that blorp. Yes, yeah, he looks like he looks like Mac and me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. Oh, it's like if you didn't put the textures on Jar Jar Binks. That's what this looks like. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like this weird amorphous like previs blob of yeah, previsual, yeah. That's oh, great. that's awful. We describe it, and they uh, the whole movie they do a lot of that thing where like the actors didn't have anything to really hold on to, so they just put their hands out like they're like they're trying to catch it, and then they shake an invisible like empty bag, yep. you know. Um, and so then they just have to animate this monkey like moving really fast. Oh, it's awful. Oh man, I forgot about how bad this movie is. It's so good. Ah, oh. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks great until anything CGI comes on. And, yeah. Or, and some of that's not its fault, right? It's 98. It's like, 98. Yeah. It was, that was a time where like people were not doing the Independence Day thing and putting a lot of practical in there, but the CG wasn't good enough. And I think people were also convinced enough that, you know, but I'll be honest, right? I've been going back through and watching the Lord of the Rings movies. I'm starting to see the edges on those <laughs> movies and it's really depressing. Like, every now and then I'm just like, oh, Oh, I can tell everything that's CG in the shot, and I like I loved it in the theater, and now and I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's just that my eye is getting better at catching what's CG or what the CG actually like. What does that mean that it gets dated? Because it's not the visual didn't change. It's just that like our expectation for it changed. Yeah. But the real world looks like the real world. So how is it that it convinced me ten years ago and now it doesn't? Um, it's confusing, but um, that's cool. Yeah, and I never watched the original series, so like story wise, yeah. like I don't know what my expectations should be. I think the original series was I didn't either, but I think my my folks did. I think the original series was just like they're in space and they're you know it's like Star Trek Voyager only with a family, yeah. where every episode was we landed on a planet and new crazy adventure. And yeah, then next week weird. Will yeah. got his ro- his foot stuck in a rock. Doctor Smith commercial creepy. break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, was Doctor Smith in the series like a criminal? Um, he was the bad. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he was a criminal. He was definitely like the bad guy, but he was like with him. I think. I thought. Was, I, I thought the show he was like just a cynical doctor guy. Oh, but maybe. in the movie, he seems like he's a. He's a that's one way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, I th- I thought that in the show, like he was a bad guy, but like either they didn't know it or. Or, um, or maybe they, you know, it reveals later. I was just thought he was like a big naysayer, like just maybe, yeah. Like the family would do something, like, oh, don't do that. That's dangerous, you know. Yeah, he's a weasel. He's a weasel. He's a weasel. If you want to get the uh, technical term, he's a weasel character. Okay, (laughs) So maybe, maybe every now and then he like stabs somebody in the back, and you're like, ah, you rascal. But he didn't like he didn't get eaten by spiders and turned into a giant spider monster. Most of his adventures involve hanging around with that boy. Oh, okay. Let me put it that way. All right, sure. Uh, that doesn't sound very good. Um, cool. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm glad Aaron got so it's it. On, it's, it's on Netflix? <laughs> yep, it's on Netflix. I'm going to watch that movie. <laughs> I can't help it. I, I owned the soundtrack. Like, Actually, there were two copies of the soundtrack in, the, in my household because my brother and I both owned it, which is stupid. Um, but, uh, yeah, it had all of two good songs on it. Yeah. It had, it had Spy Break on it before The Matrix came out. Or no, uh, Dex and uh, diff- a, a different Propellerhead song. But anyway, none of this matters to anyone. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch anything else this week? No, nope, that's it. Okay, cool. Um, I didn't because I was out of the, out of town. I didn't really watch much. I did get a chance to rewatch High Fidelity this week, which is 
if you've never seen it, uh, in my opinion, if not the best, one of the best romantic comedies ever made. That movie is just it's just brilliant. Um, mostly because it's got that fourth act where any other romantic comedy, it's like, oh, we you know we broke up and like we have a problem, and then like I learn my lesson and I fix it, um, and we get back together again. But with High Fidelity, it actually has a fourth act where he gets tested and realizes the, that, like, oh, no, like I've actually been thinking about all this stuff wrong and has to go back to her and be like, okay, I'm actually willing to commit and fix all these things that are wrong in my life. And um, it's really great. You know, it's a – I can't say that because I'll spoil it, but it's a really smart romantic comedy that is sort of a deconstruction at the same time as being an entry into the genre. Um, I th- and I think it's wonderful. Uh, and Jack Black is really funny in it. So you should go check out that movie. So anyway, that's really all I had. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So this week we went and saw two different movies. What do we want to do first? You want to, you want to do John Wick first? Sure. Let's do John Wick first. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, this week we went and saw John Wick. Brad, should people see John Wick? Two? John Wick chapter <laughs> two. Uh, so I haven't seen the first one. Oh no. Um, what? <laughs> It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So and yeah, it does not. You want matter. me to catch you up? In the first one, they kill his dog, and he murders everyone. That's what I heard. Yeah. So that's what I went in with. Yep. Um, and this movie, if you don't care, like if if you've been looking for an action movie that just says, you know, uh, let's not waste time with all that story and plot <laughs> stuff. Uh, let's just get straight to the action. Uh, this is the movie for you. Um, and it's it's pretty cool. Um, then the final act with the mirrors. I'm as as a filmmaker. I'm just like, how the hell. Oh Did you gosh. get away with uh, yeah. that complex uh, without getting the camera in the mirror? Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's pretty awesome. And I, I want to find out what the first one's like. So if anyone has it, let me know. I don't, but this movie made me want to buy the first one. Zach, should people go see John Wick Chapter 2? Somebody get that man a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie. Uh, I, liked, I dug the first John Wick, and I uh, actually dug this just as much as the first John Wick. Yeah. So, yes, please. Go check it out. Yeah. Aaron, you didn't see it, right? I did not see okay. it. I also haven't seen the first one, so... That's okay. Probably. It, you both can and can't. Uh, so I will say I'll agree. Yeah, you should absolutely go see this movie. If you liked the first one, my, my folks texted me this week and were like, should we see John Wick 1? And I was like, sure, why not? They hated it. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the if you are in the mood, like Brad said, for a crazy over-the-top action movie with a lot of, like... CG blood that, but it's like real good CG blood. Um, you should definitely check this movie out. It's probably if you like headshots. Check yes, this movie if you out. like watching somebody just ruthlessly shoot people in the head. Um, <laughs> this is probably the most fun I've had watching somebody direct action since maybe Paul Greengrass. Like I was in heaven watching the way that this movie is shot and edited. Um, especially after <laughs> after watching Resident Evil last week, where this has choreographed fight like you know gun action sequences that are shot wide enough that i can see what's going on and it's cool and i can follow the action um and i had a an absolute blast so yeah people should definitely check this out so here is the trailer for john wick chapter two how good to see you again so soon mr week i need you to do this task i'm not that guy anymore you're always that guy, John. I can't help you. You know the rules. If you don't do this, you know the consequences. I 
amounts payable, how may I help you? I'd like to open an account. Name on the account? John Wick. The contract has gone international. You have no idea what's coming. Somebody please get this man a gun. You stabbed the devil in the back. To him, this isn't vengeance. This is justice. You working? Afraid so. Whoever comes, I'll kill them. I'll kill them all. Of course you will. I'll try and do the same. So is this a universe where everyone that exists in it is part of a assassin club? I said after the movie was over, I was like, this is actually probably the... I didn't see the Assassin's Creed movie, but this is probably the closest thing to an Assassin's Creed movie. Uh, Because it's like a modern version where everyone is involved in this crazy conspiracy. And the first one didn't feel that way. Um, But it did have... The one thing that going into this to the sequel that I feel like you probably didn't see coming was all this like world of coins and hotels where you can't kill each other because that was a thing that when people the first one sort of snuck up on people and everybody was like okay you know it's some Keanu Reeves action movie right and then all of a sudden like we went and saw it and then the 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 whispers about it everybody was really excited because the action was so cool but it feels like it's based in a comic book. Even my dad, after he watched it, was like, was it based on a comic? Because it's got this weird, like, legend stuff to it where there's all this world. But the first one just sort of touches on it. And my fear was that the second one was going to dig in and be like, well, there's a different hotel of ba- of more bad assassins, and we got to go to war with them. And it was going to turn into garbage. It's not. They didn't do that at all, and I'm, I'm so happy. Um, but, yeah, no, it ends up by the end being like, it makes you feel like the entire world is just assassins. Yeah, like there's no commerce, there's no families. No, no. It's just like everyone just exists to yeah, homeless kill people, someone else. Homeless people are assassins, musicians are assassins, yeah. everyone you see is an assassin. Homeless Middle people have their own League of Assassins. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Actually, all homeless people are members of a League of Assassins who hide on the streets to like move quietly through the city of New hey, York. Hey, you guys got any change? <laughs> To help facilitate other assassins. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, and there's rules on God. how to help each other. Um, and it, it is. It's super silly and dumb on its face, but it doesn't matter because the like once the movie starts moving um, and he just starts murdering everyone, you don't care. <laughs> like he gets to the homeless guy and goes like, "I need you to get me to blah 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 blah." And there's and then that guy, the homeless guy, shoots two people, and we cut to Lawrence Fishburne talking for a couple minutes, and then we cut to him shooting more people. Like the movie knows exactly what it is and focuses on. We want to see Keanu Reeves run around and like twitch and move his gun sideways a bunch and shoot people in the head, uh, and it's really satisfying. Man, it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this movie just shoots for like, you know, a normal action movie. They'd be, be like, oh, let's have a dramatic moment. And then yeah. we'll t- page 10, we'll do the action sequence. We'll make it really cool. And this movie, this movie just says like, screw those dramatic character development things. Let's just get cut straight to the chase. Yeah, but unlike unlike something like a, like a Resident Evil or, on, you know, one of those other sort of schlocky 
action films. Um, this movie has a plot. Yes, it's it's silly at times, and if you if you you know just took it out of context, it would you're like, okay, what is all this stuff with like you know weird markers with thumbprints and why would you spend so much money making this little coin that you keep somebody's bloody thumbprint in like this seems silly but in the context of the movie and the way that it's written i would argue that the script is actually relatively tight because when you have those scenes it's like it's two minutes or a minute and a half where someone says you owe me this i have this thing you did it for this reason there are rules and we have to follow them and if you don't follow them this is what's going to happen and then the character makes a choice and then everyone gets murdered Right, like they very simple. Yeah, like they get through it fast enough, and they don't. It doesn't feel annoying. Like it doesn't feel like heavy exposition. It's not convoluted. Yeah, when Ian McShane jumps in, he's like, "It's all about following the rules." Yes, and like it's like he's talking to the audience, like, "Hey, totally, this is all about following Ah. this world we've made up." Right, just just go with it. I literally had the same moment with Ian McShane where, like, he says. Because there's this rule that I've been paying attention. I hadn't heard it until maybe six months ago, and I've been paying a lot of attention to it. Where the the rule, it's a screenwriting rule that says that the last line of dialogue in a scene should be the point of the scene. Um, and so there's a scene where Ian McShane is talking, and the very last line is him saying, "You know, we are a world of rules, or something like that. Like we have to follow all these rules." Uh, and then it cut away, and I was like, "That's one of those scenes where the the whole scene was about telling the audience." Hey, there's a bunch of rules, and Keanu's going to break them, and then he's going to have to kill everyone. And that's what happened. Um, but, man, it's really fun. You know? Um, yeah. He just... Ugh, he shoots everyone. How about that time he takes that knife and, like, cuts that guy's balls off? That was terrible. He cuts that guy's balls off? Yeah, like, he reaches up and he, like, stabs him in between the legs, and then, like, there's this splatter of blood on the ground. Like, uh-huh. you, it's not sh- it's not up close. It's a, it's a far-off, like... Um, like old boy side shot, you know. Um, but my whole audience just like guffawed. It was like, blah, you know, like it was that. Was the, uh, there were a lot of those moments where the entire audience was just like in shock for a second, like the fucking pencil. Oh, like, yeah. who would have thought you could have like made the <laughs> made the the Dark Knight pencil scene look a little bit tame? Um, but the. Uh, they, he did that in the first one, right? Something with pencils? Oh, I don't know. Well, you didn't see the first one. Right, but in the movie, they talk about, like, uh, like I remember what you did with just pencil. Like, oh, he does have a line like that, yeah. So I, that wasn't in the I first haven't, movie. I, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember every... Mur- he murders a lot of people in the first movie. <laughs> and I can't remember all of them. Um, I Because I, I, I haven't seen it since the theater. Mm-hmm. I just remember being like, that was really cool. He murdered all those people. Um, <laughs> sorry, Mom. Um, yeah, so I thought like the pencil in this was an homage to whatever happened. Yeah, but here, the ante. yeah, like here, like he stabs the one dude. Spoilers, Aaron, but it's right. <laughs> it's, it'll be just as fun when you see it. He like stabs the dude in the ear and then like hits it and kills him and then pulls it out and then like pushes that guy's neck onto it. Ugh, man, again, my whole audience was just uncomfortable, but like you could feel the energy from the crowd as like they. They reacted in shock and then were thrilled. It, it's the closest thing to being at a gladiator match in 2017 that I think we will get. Um, of just watching all of this blood and everybody being in shock and then immediately just like, this is amazing. And historians will say that years later. They'll be like, there were the gladiator matches and then there was the Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was the John Wick series of the uh, early 2000s. Um, <laughs> yeah. More brutal than anything you could possibly imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and that car sequence at the beginning is really cool. Yeah. Oh, like, he God. beats the shit out of that car. 
Um, and it's just really well made. Like he, uh, when he can spins it around and knocks that guy over with it. Holy That's shit. That's when my audience freaking cheered. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what a great way to start that movie with he just, just, oh, he wants his car back. Because, like, that's the loose end from the first movie. Is like, they took his car and they shot his dog. So the whole first movie was about vengeance for the dog. The this first is 15 minutes is about get, yeah. getting my car back. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get my car back. And it's such a cool sequence. Um, and I guess it was supposed to be also... Like setting up where the coins come from, but I don't know. Like are the I wasn't coins sure in that... the first movie. No, the coins are in the first movie. Okay. Yeah, but in this one, is that Italian guy not in the first movie? No, you mean John Turturro's character? From John the... Turturro? Yeah, the, for the guy who runs like the chop shop at the beginning. That's Leguizamo. Oh. What? John Leguizamo. Oh, oh, no, 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 not not his friend in the chop shop. The guy, the 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 gangster who has his car at the beginning. Uh, is it John Turturro or no, is it or is it is it Peter Stormare? Stormare, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Peter Stormare. I was gonna be like, they do not look Stormare. alike at all. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. John Turturro and Stormare. You don't think they look kind of alike? Not really. No. no. Okay. Well, never mind. Yeah. So Peter Stormare is there, and he's got John Wick's car, um, and it seemed I couldn't tell. Did that guy make the coins, or was it just that he had a whole bunch and he was getting them moved out of the place before? He John had Wick a whole, got them. He had okay. a whole bunch. smuggling them. He was just getting rid of them before John Wick showed up to yeah to steal his car back. Okay, I, I was just trafficking him for Ian McShane because Ian McShane has a bunch of them. When yeah, but John it, Wick shows up. But Ian McShane runs that hotel, so I just assumed that Ian McShane has a bunch of them. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand why that was them. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, weird. Anyway, but. Uh, I mean, it's brutal, but John Wick actually doesn't, like, kill anybody in that sequence. He shoots oh, the well, one dude in the knees. Uh, but that guy who got, like, sideswiped with the car and then, like... Oh, well, everyone's paralyzed, but they're not, like, <laughs> murdered. Like, he murders everyone else in the rest of the movie. I think some people got hurt. Yeah, but they died very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they were hurt. I don't think anybody died. They just were were in traction for the rest of their lives. <laughs> that guy got, like, smacked into a pole. Uh, yeah. But you're right, because yeah, he's he's karate chopping people for most of it, and then all of a sudden gets a gun and just like takes out that guy's knees, um, which was again that was really cool to not give him a gun for a while because same sort of thing like there was all this audience tension that I could feel, and then when he finally got a gun and shot that guy, like again the whole audience like cheered for a second or you know they were like oh 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 man now he's got a gun I thought there was gonna be punches in cars but yeah now he's he got did, a gun he did all that with like bad jujitsu like what's he gonna do now um yeah and the whole the the sequence when he's escaping in Rome um mm. where he's hidden the guns like he knew the escape route he was gonna take and he hides the guns along the way and they they escalate over time lunch dinner dessert <laughs> yeah yeah um that was really cool um. And the oh, and the whole sequence where he and Common are chasing each other, like that weird sequence where they're in like an airport or whatever, and they're like quietly trying to shoot each other through a crowd. Yeah, <laughs> that was weird. Oh, yep. that was pretty cool. Man. And then the, uh, the subway car is pretty sweet. Yes, where they're just waiting for everyone to get off yeah. to get close to each other. Yeah, and then yeah. they make out. Yeah. No, crazy. sorry, they fight each other and <laughs> No, that was just in your head, right? <laughs> like, come on, just do the way it. you said that. They gotta wait till everybody else gets there so they can get close to each other. Yeah. Mm. And then get stabbed in the heart. No, the artery. Yes. Aorta. It's a, yeah, it's a Aorta, yeah. professional courtesy. Yeah. <sighs> that was cool. 
So yeah, it's fun. This is the third movie that I've seen in like four weeks that has Ruby Rose in it. Only this time, like she didn't have any dialogue at all. She was she do sound like she seemed good. Yeah, I don't know. She keeps showing up. Um, the audience for you guys, like I went and saw 9 a.m. packed. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 9 a.m. on a Saturday, like. No, this movie's gonna do good. Crazy. Yeah. It, it, well, it was third, but it did good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because the again, it was kind of like. Good for a very violent rated R film. Yeah, good for an R rated like, movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Very in good. January, you know, early February. Yeah, because um, it was. It was the first one was such a weird sleeper that I don't think anybody had expectations for, and then they came out of it and were like, "Oh shit!" So yeah, Brad, you'll have to go back and watch John Wick one because yeah. in the first one they kill his dog, and then oh 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 oh, you remember? You remember when he goes into the garage and 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 he finds like the broken up cement in his garage. You get to see how the cement gets broken up. It's maybe the best scene in the movie. Okay. Spoilers, he's got a sledgehammer. He just hits it. Gotcha. But it's awesome. Okay. <laughs> it's Say no so, more. It's so cool. Oh, why is he hitting the ground with a sledgehammer? Because he's fucking frustrated that they killed his dog. That's why. <sighs> Movie's great. Anyway, uh, so this week we also got a chance to go see the first sequel to the Lego movie, the best movie of 2015. 14. 14? Okay. If you don't um, like Guardians of the Galaxy, I guess. Uh, yeah. No, I, I like that movie, too, but one of them is the Lego movie. Uh, so this week we went and saw the Lego Batman movie. Uh, I will go with Aaron. Aaron, should people go see the Lego Batman movie? They should go see the Lego Batman movie. Cool. Brad, should people go see the Lego Batman movie? Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun, and wow, there are a lot of like Batman historical reference, like just a lot of inside information on the Batman legacy. Yeah. Uh, that, that movie's dense. It's dense. <laughs> Zach, should people go see Lego Batman? Holy cats, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't laughed that hard in a movie in a while. And uh, uh, I, and I loved Will Arnett in it. I loved Michael Sarah in it. Uh, oh, man. And uh, I just liked trying to pick out who was playing who and the villains and whatnot. So yeah. we'll talk a little bit about who's played who and whatnot. But, um, and... Uh, <laughs> Ray Fiennes as uh, Alfred was hilarious when... Uh, well, we'll talk about it in the, yeah. uh, in the spoilers. Yeah, uh-huh. um, yeah I, I would totally agree. Uh, I think it's a really good movie. Um, has a cool message. Definitely fun to watch. It has a lot, like you said, a whole lot of little Batman references that I, I think are, are fun for people who are in the know. Um, and then I can tell you at least... I, I went and saw it with my niece, who's, who's almost five, uh, and she was... You know, enthralled the entire time, didn't get distracted. Yeah, she's a good movie watcher, you know. But I think it's one that you can, you know, definitely take a little kid to, and they are going to have a, a a fun time at the movie. Um, yeah, I, it's hard not to recommend because it's just so charming and well made, and didn't look is the kind of like kids movie that I would want, and not the kind of kids movie that I got trailers for. <laughs> so yeah, uh, here's the trailer for the Lego Batman movie. Must be great to be Batman. Batman, we love you! Thank you. I'm blushing super hard under the mask. Batman! Pray God. Thanks, Batman! I can only imagine he's going home right now to party the night away, surrounded by friends and lady activewear models. Hey, computer. I'm home. I'm home. I'm home. Oh, 
Mr. Bruce. Your greatest fear is... Snakes? No. Clouds? No. It's being a part of a family again. No, now it's snake clouds because you put that idea in my head. Sir, you need to take responsibility for your life, and it starts by raising the young orphan you adopted. Whee! I thought I was being sarcastic. Hello, secret camera. We built this city. What? It's the bat cave. Oh my gosh, look, it's the bat sub! Don't touch that. The bat zeppelin! Don't touch that either. It's the bat kayak! No. Do I get a costume? I love it, but his pants are just a little tight. I got an idea. It's better! I can only look you in the eyes right now. Hi, Batman! No way! Come catch your greatest enemy. Superman is my greatest enemy. Superman's not a bad guy! Then I'd say that I don't currently have a bad guy. I am fighting a few different people. I like to fight around. Hi, Barbara Gordon, new police commissioner. It's my dream for the police force to team up with Batman. What? Wouldn't that be better? I hate everything you just said. I'm falling! Gotcha. Nice. Initialized master build. You got it. Here you go, Barbara. I need a elbow. I need a macaroni. Yes, we did it. Pretty cool, huh? Why did you build this thing with only one seat? Uh, because last I checked, I only had one butt. Let's go. Defeat the Joker. Woo! We're going on a family trip. I can wear my costume, too. Well, luckily for us, you left your costume back in... Oh, no, under your clothes. That's perfect. I was disarmed going in because I read a headline that said, like, yeah, it's 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 a shallow Lego movie. And I was like, oh, that's too bad. Oh, huh. but I could see that from the trailer. Um, and then I watched the movie, and it's like got this great storyline of that's appropriate for Batman, like yeah. deconstructing his isolation. Yeah, it's um, it's the cinematic equivalent of that Kevin Smith joke where he's just like, if Batman goes to therapy, the book's over. <laughs> <laughs> that's essentially what the movie is. Like, because yeah. I, I saw it twice. Because I saw it, I saw it uh, preview night, and then I saw it opening night, and like, just it, it was the one of the best Batman stories I'd seen in a while. Like, yeah. let's let go of the fact that it's a movie with Legos. <laughs> <laughs> this was one of the best Batman stories I'd ever seen. Yeah, uh, it was honestly really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, no. I know. I like I went into this one um, with the original Lego movie when they announced they were doing it. I was like, oh, this is going to be dumb. And I just didn't even like, you know, didn't even give it a chance. And then my wife and I were looking on Rotten Tomatoes and it was at like 97% or something. And everyone we knew was like, it's so funny. You have to go. Mm -hmm. And so I went and I was pleasantly surprised at how funny it was and how good it actually was. And then so for Lego Batman, I kind of had the same, maybe not the same as the review you read said, but I was like, hey, it'll be okay. It'll be funny. It probably won't be as good as the first one, whatever. Yeah. And I went in and I was surprised at how much I laughed and how much I liked it even more than the first Lego movie. So yeah. like, it's weird that they managed to do that twice, like yeah. have a movie that expectations were low, they were way exceeded and then doing it again a few years later. But yeah. Oh yeah. I think they did a really great job. I mean, for me, right. That was my favorite film of that year. And I, I don't think that they, could ever catch the lightning in the bottle of spoilers for the for the Lego movie, but when you get that reveal of the the real life version of the of what's going on, um, like that moment is such a special moment. And I actually thought that they might hint at that here because there's that scene early on where they talk about how Gotham is is built on two poorly connected plates, which is also a really good for anybody like me who grew up using a lot of Legos is also a really good uh, uh, inside joke about, you know, 
the importance of, of proper Lego construction. Um, but like that line was so good that I kind of was expecting like a, a real quick back shot where it's like all of Gotham is like on a piece of plywood that's, you know, maybe set up next to the door where if somebody just hits it too hard, it'll jostle left and the whole thing will hit the floor. Um, but that never happened. It's probably, they probably shot it. It's on the cutting room floor somewhere. It's but, probably for the best yeah. though. Cause oh, I'm yeah, glad no. that they didn't try to go down that well with this one. Cause this one clearly knows what it is, which is oh, yeah. first and foremost, you have to tell a good Batman story. Then you got to tell a good Lego story. Right. Yeah. I so. mean, it, it exists both in a Lego universe and in a Batman universe. And then in all of the Warner Brothers catalog, yeah. them, <laughs> them referencing it twice. Like I thought the, the joke landed fine the first time, but then they did it a second time, and I laughed even harder. <laughs> so, and that weird face in 1966. <laughs> yeah, so like, what, what a bunch of random choices for villains. And then I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> all Warner Brothers. Uh-huh. The um, Matrix. Yeah, so yeah, we're, the rings. we're getting into the Gremlins. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, so... Actual spoilers for the movie at this point, but uh, but not that it's that more. Ray that, Fiennes that plays important. Alfred, but he doesn't play Voldemort. Which I just kind of weird. Just, that is weird. <laughs> when the, it was the one thing I was looking at when the credits rolled was I was like, who did they get him to just do both voices? And I was like, why did you spend the time to go get Eddie Izzard when you had the guy in the movie? <laughs> well, like, it is Eddie Izzard, sure, but. Um, and and it was a, it was a funny Voldemort, right? Like, yeah. if you'd had him do it, it would have just been Voldemort. And in this case, it was like funny, sli- you know, awkward Voldemort, right? Um, which was really good. I like when yeah. Alfred pulls off his uh, pulls off his butler suit to reveal him as sixty six Batman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was really cool with the paint on the face. I'm sixties man. <laughs> yeah. I just missed the sixties. Uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. All of the weird, like, oh man, when they do the. It's it's I think the computer is talking about the history of Batman or computer, yeah yeah at which the computer is voiced by Siri um, if you didn't catch it but the uh, like they do the flashback to all like basically every incan- incarnation yeah. um, but all done in Lego oh, I really actually cool. missed that part because um, there was an issue with the server like next to me so oh, oh. I thought you were like streaming it because you were torrenting the film and you were like. <laughs> There was an an issue with the server. I was stealing this movie off yeah. of. My audience um, was really rowdy, so I was like, "Oh, really?" Really distracted in the beginning. Yeah, it is. So, so yeah. all of a sudden, I see like that in forever. I'm like, "Oh shit, what did I miss?" <laughs> did you guys notice uh, the two face was Billy D. Williams. Yep. Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, if you if you at least looked up for Batman Forever, all you missed was um, Batman and Robin, the Batman Begins, the Dark Knight. Need I say more? Yeah. Um, you saw all the good stuff. I, as far as I was concerned, was when they got back into like. You know, recreating the cover of of Dark Knight Returns and that kind of stuff, which was really <laughs> they cool. recreated every moment except for Batman and Robin. They just showed a picture of George Clooney's nipples. Yeah, yes, <laughs> true. they showed like the cover with the nipples. Yeah, yep. um, which was great. Oh man, it was a good movie. Yeah. yeah, and there are there's a lot of little references. They of course. So I got uh, I got a couple of the little collectible minifigs, like the mystery ones. I got four of them, and to my great surprise, I actually got four different ones. Um, and one of them was was the orphan Robin with the bat repellent, and I was so excited. Oh, it's it's right behind you. The shark repellent. At, yeah, sorry, with the shark repellent. Um, and I was so excited. And then as the movie was starting, I was like, oh, there's actually probably going to be a joke about the shark repellent in this movie. And then there were a lot of jokes about shark repellent in the movie. No, um, no, use it. It doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was really great. And that whole story, like the... Having there be a story where he accidentally adopts a kid, and then it, it basically happens <laughs> like, no, you have to take care of this child you adopted. Yeah, taking um, care of your son. 
I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Don't tell me of how to raise a kid. <laughs> you have nothing. You have no idea what it's like to raise a surrogate son. son. <laughs> oh, which man. is both. Which is both hilarious and sad at the same time. Like yeah. that's, that's the kind of arrow they hit you with. Yeah. it's really good. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I, um, something I loved too about the humor in that movie was how so many of the jokes would land for kids and adults, but for different yeah. reasons. Yes. And it just shows how like good writing with, especially with a, a movie like this is important. Yeah. Like the angry birds movie was just awful because all the jokes were like aimed at adults, but not funny. And like, so the kids didn't get it and it just yeah. felt like inappropriate and in the wrong place yeah. where this movie has a nice balance of both like funny jokes, like the shark repellent for people who know the Adam West Batman, but yeah. then, other jokes like him flopping around on the floor when he doesn't want to go to the retirement <laughs> party that kids are going to laugh at yeah, because of yeah, the yeah. context of it. But adults could kind of laugh too, especially if you have kids because you've right. you know had that fight with your kids before. Them do that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's more universal. Well, and even <laughs> the shark repellent jokes, right, are funny because you're like, if you're a kid, if you're smart enough to understand that shark repellent is silly, it's funny. Right. It's also just funny because there's a shark attacking Batman, right? Like, like my niece looks at that and she's just having fun because Batman Lego Batman is fighting Lego sharks and she's entertained right right and as you get older first you learn that it's funny that sh- that shark re- bat shark repellent would be a thing and then you learn like oh no there's this thing that happened in the 60s and it was not good uh, but or, it's hilarious or, or, or was it good and you are um, just, just judgmental uh, well I'm just I'm just saying the shark scene I'm not making a blanket statement about the Batman TV show. But it's I, not good. Screw you. I love shark repellent bats. Very fair. Um, yeah, it was really cool. It was really and I love cool. how they got like so many uh, like deep cut villains. Condiment like, King. Is Condiment King real? Yes. Yeah. Really? Because when he has the line about like Google it. It's, or <laughs> Joker says it's worth a Google. Um, I was like, oh no. <laughs> Can that be real? What what does he do? Does he shoot ketchup and mustard? Yeah. Does he look like that? Pretty much. No. Oh, pretty much. <laughs> Why does this exist? Was it a joke? Is it in the 60s Com- show? Comics in the 50s and 60s, man. Yeah. Uh, Calendar Man is real, too. Yeah, Calendar Man. Yes, but Calendar Man has also had, like, cool story arcs to go with Crazy it. Crazy right? Quilt. Like, He's real. Yeah. Oh, I, I like forgot about seeing, Crazy Quilt. That I like one was... Uh, there's Egghead. something... Yeah, like, <laughs> Egghead was the... Yeah, Egghead was, Egghead was like, funny. Shit, I can't really get, got that in there. Uh, the, all of those seem feasible to me. Condiment Man, though. <laughs> That's man. a little like, bit of a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, there are a lot of bad villains out there, for you know, for sure, but Condiment Man... And I like um, the animation of Clayface. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was very uh, cool, yeah. voiced by Kate McCurdy. <laughs> I love that they... Uh, uh, I love that they did a a version of Croc that is actually made. <laughs> yeah, I did something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that they did a version of Croc though. This is just a Lego fan thing where they built what the Lego version of that character would be. Where like they took a Lego crocodile and made him into they, they took a Lego crocodile and the model for the Hulk and smashed the two molds together. Uh, and it's a really cool because I saw it in one of the sets that they released. Yeah, uh, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's really awesome!" Like he doesn't look like Suicide Squad Croc or you know any of the cartoon show Crocs. Oh, he's spe- totally a new thing. Speaking of which, my favorite line in the movie, despite all the other great jokes, was uh, "What I'm gonna get the bad guys to beat up the other bad guys? That's, that's a, a stupid, stupid idea." idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I love that Sauron shoots lava out of his eyes. <laughs> I, I like just because I think they they wanted to get Lord of the Rings in there, but they were like, "Well, 
When we really think about it, when the bad guy is just a building, I don't know what we'd do with him. <laughs> Maybe he can shoot think lava of, think out of, of his eye. From a kid's perspective, you don't think they're not watching Lord of the Rings thinking like, guys, I bet he could shoot lava out of his eyeball. <laughs> or what's the, the other way to look at it is there's going to be a lot of kids who see this first and then see the Lord of the Rings like eight years later. And they're, and they're so like, they're sitting around watching Lord of the Rings going like, when's he going to shoot lava out of his eyes? <laughs> Man. These kids, they just keep walking and talking and, like, having conversations about the way that this thing eats their soul, and there's no lava flying everywhere. They're going to be so disappointed. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. And the movie moves really fast. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to see it again. Yeah. For sure. There's a lot of stuff in there. And, yeah, it clips along pretty quick. I can't uh, believe he got... pay his taxes. Batman! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love they got Doug Benson to do Bane, too. <laughs> was that <laughs> That was Doug? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, doing like, like, built up to look like Bane, like, you know, old cartoon Bane, yep. but then doing the, the Dark Knight Rises voice. voice. Oh, that was <laughs> the best. <laughs> I, I, I wish that, because Jason Manzoukas is Scarecrow, but he had, like, one line, in it, yeah. I think, which is... I got a, I got a bag for a head. Who was Scarecrow? Jason Manzoukas? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. That's too bad. That you know who been... Riddler was? Yeah, Conan O'Brien. Yeah, Conan yeah. O'Brien. Oh, man. Shoot. Yeah, a lot of good yeah, voiceover cameos in that. Yeah, movie. Zach Galifianakis was the Joker. Yeah, which, which I couldn't figure good. out for the longest time. Yeah, I couldn't either. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a hard time placing... Um, I had a hard time placing Rosario Dawson, strangely enough. I kept thinking, like, did they just get Elizabeth Banks back? Like... Is she just going to be in every Lego movie? I'd be okay with that. Um, but that storyline was was pretty cool, too. Uh, also, that means the second movie in the, to be released in the last year that posits a relationship between Batman and Gordon, uh, or, and Barbara Gordon. Yes. Just saying. But they do kind of sway it off by saying, like... Oh, they do. My platonic co-worker. Yes. Co-worker, yeah. platonic co-worker. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. But, like, the first, like, two see- times that he sees her and, like, romantic music plays, I was like, oh... What does he say when he falls like back down joke. to the earth after almost going back to the Phantom Zone? Oh. And then he gets rejected. Uh, do you have a knife or something? He, has he could cut the tension between us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that was really good. Oh, what? So I have, a, I have a DC question for you. What is Phyllis? Is that actually like a DC thing? Like, is there a... Is that is the floating talking block just something they made up for? Okay, because they so. needed they needed an excuse. They need they needed a plot device. Right, um, someone running the the, the someone prison. Who, yeah. yeah, someone who runs the Phantom Zone. I mean, that mi- there might be, but I'm not yeah. aware of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. Because there is there's so many references to things that I didn't know what was real and what wasn't. Um, who that's is your great. greatest enemy? Superman. <laughs> oh. And I do want to say that they did a cool job. Like, I, I appreciate that it wasn't just it wasn't just a kid's Batman movie made in Lego. Like, Batman's awesome cars and shit like that were really cool Lego things that would, like, transform into different things. Or, like, the like the one, what was it called? Like, the Striker or something like that. It was, like, a big running Scuddler. dog. The Scuddler? Yeah, Scuddler. Yeah. Scuddler, okay. Um, there was, like, a big running dog, and it had these Technic pieces... So that its arms would like extend really cool, and I was like, "Oh looks- man, I want one of those! Like that looks so neat." Um, yeah, like it was, it was a cool. It was also a cool Lego movie. One one failing that I just couldn't get my head away from watching it was that like earlier in the movie, 
you establish that Superman and the other Justice League people are there. Yeah. And there's yeah. this cataclysmic event happening in Gotham and none of them show up. And it's like a thing <laughs> that all partying. superhero movies do. <laughs> and yeah, that's just say, yeah and, welcome to superhero movies. And, and that's what I wanted was like a, that's happening and Batman's locked up and they're like, we'll try Superman. And they call and like everybody's just like passed out at Superman's place because they partied too hard. <laughs> oh, that would like that would have been a great like write off to oh, jump back man. and not, you know, just because so many superhero movies do it and it was so self-referential and kind of mo- making fun of other superhero movies. Yes. that that would have been a great like kind of dig at that and yes. I, I was bummed they missed that opportunity Chris but. Totally kicking himself in the pants going like ah shit yes. <laughs> this kid's got a good idea he's gonna call you now and be like I need we you I need you Lego on... Batman movie too yeah <laughs> and I'm sure the studio came down and said like hey 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 you know keep the focus on Batman it's a Batman movie more jokes about how Iron Man sucks yeah yeah more of that <laughs> we called we Iron called, Man we, sucks we called Marvel they said it was cool just trust us <laughs> Um. Yeah, I don't know. That was good. Sweet. It was really good. So next week we're seeing Fist Fight. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And then uh, I might I might try to go see Cure for Wellness. Cure for Wellness as well. Because you got to um, get your Vobinski fix. Yeah. He hasn't. What was the last thing you made? Lone Ranger. Uh, no. <laughs> it was. Uh, a, it was. A, it was. Oh, a, no. It was the incredibly true story of a boy who meets an Indian. Inside of 30s fair. <laughs> wow. That means it's been like five years since yep. he made a film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. I, I want him to make a good movie. And this seems different for him, too. So, yeah. Cool. All right. From all of us um, real nerds. Aaron, thanks so much for coming by. Uh, yeah. One more time, real quick. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on our website. It's staticageproductions.com. And uh, of Mike's and Men, The Summer of Ska is our newest documentary. And uh, when does the Kickstarter end? Does it have a... Uh, we are ending, I think it's 20 days from now. Okay. So it ends on uh, March, early March. I forget the exact date. Yeah. Um, so if you're if you're not driving while you're listening to this, like go check it out right now and, and throw these guys some money. If you're driving, make a note. And then like as soon as you park, get on your phone and send them a little bit of money uh, to help get this thing made because it sounds really cool. I'm excited to see it, so... Thank you so much for coming by, Aaron. Yeah, thanks for having me. Two cool. things. Are yes. we doing our Oscar thing? Because no one sent me nominations yet. Oh. Oh, I was waiting for instructions. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize I was supposed to send you nominations. Because <laughs> the actual voting is in two weeks. Oh, okay. So should we just... And Ryan's not here, so should we just scrap it or just go with my <laughs> nominations? Uh, hell no. We're not just going with your nominations. Um, I'll send you some nominations this week. All right. Yeah, yeah. I will go do it like right after this um, for every award. Nominations for every Oscar award. Uh, no, I, I sent out a text with like the categories. So oh, just okay. Do those because I um, was still not gotten it. That's why I was said I was waiting for instructions. There's sound editing and sound mixing. I I was like just make, put them together. Sound best best, best sound best, best sounding movie best sounding movie best um, looking movie. And then if you could think of anything. Best talking movie. Interesting category-wise to make up that doesn't exist. Sure. I, I, yeah, try and throw that in there. I I'm going to submit yeah. best talking movie. Well, at one point you had, like, best use of the word fuck. Oh, yeah. No, best use of the word fuck. Uh, the problem was, like, I've used those. I can't remember any, so. Uh, yeah, well, I've done some good ones. Like, yeah, best use of the word fuck, uh, best use of the rock. Um, best or, movie featuring Batman as a Lego person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to see if I can think of a couple. Because yeah. uh, the problem is, like, they're only good if you can come up with some good answers to them. And, like, that was a year where best use of the word fuck had some really awesome answers. Um, both dramatic and, you know, comedic. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Yeah, I'll, I'll look back at the list and see what I can figure out. Okay. Cool. Um, 
Um, best comedic. You, you could also do some general ones like best comedic moment or best dramatic moment. Yeah. Um, that might be good. But yeah, we'll try to get that posted this week so people can start voting on them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, after this, I'll I'll send you some stuff. And we're also 13 weeks away from episode 300. So. Oh man. I'm on. I'm on episode 29. Oh, okay. So <laughs> as we, far as chronicling everything we've done. Oh, no. So it's we, have some, re- we have some listening to do. Calculation-wise, I have to find like 12 full days to oh. listen to our shit. Holy crap. We've made a lot of garbage and Between put it on the internet. Then, yeah. Man. Well, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can, you know? But yeah. Um, if there's anything that stands out that you want us to reminisce about, please send it along. It yeah. greatly help me. Yeah, absolutely. Remember that one time when Zach wasn't on the show? And, and it was good? Yeah. yeah. It was good, yeah. It happens yeah. a lot. Haven't, haven't gotten to you yet. You're, <laughs> you're, you're very far away. I know. Eventually I'm, the first, I've w- I'm within the first 100, though, which yeah. I'm proud of. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, the, there's an episode where uh, a a drunk and probably high Zach shows up yep. with a bunch of his drunk and probably high friends and talk about their Is your first silly episode- movies. Burt Wonderstone? Yes. yes, it is. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. I made a spreadsheet of all the episodes and mm. the, like the time limits and the uh, descriptions. You made um, an official strategy guide <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> to the real nerds. An episode guide, yeah. He's, ra- mean, he's rating them as he goes. Yeah. It's like a oh. D&D manual, but sadder. <laughs> oh. So with that, you could probably say exactly like how many minutes worth of audio we've, That's we've put plan. out. That's the plan. Oh, gross. <laughs> That's disgusting. Oh, man. But, yeah, if you want to hear what I sound like, drunk or high, just listen to the past <laughs> episodes of Real Nerds Podcast. Uh, yeah. No, go to Burr episode. It's a good one. That, yeah. that one gets off the rails real fast. So, cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, guys. This is a good one. Okay. Until next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Real Nerds is a Nebulous Visions multimedia production. We would also like to thank Sparks Mandrill for our music. Additional music from Ben Sounds. Thank you to Alamo Drafthouse. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. And thank you for listening to the Real Nerds Podcast.